Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Mike. And I'm Marty. And this is Two Guys, A League, and Some Guests. Let's get it started. gonna love it um, he's gonna love it <laughs> um and that's and the thing is with my dad too is that he he can take it very well oh yeah he's very good at taking the, the ribbing he like he's just great for that he's got a good heart uh, a good soul and he's a good person so you can you can lay into him because everybody does and uh and it's it's usually and he laughs he, he enjoys it it's funny it's part of being guys so it's it's one of the many reasons why i love and respect my father hey because you can it's good to be able to take a joke and it's kind of funny that we're talking about your dad off the top of the show here because we got uh, a little bit of uh, chit chat in regards to the goaltending for the boston bruins this week we're gonna get into that a little bit yeah it's really too deep kind of more just a little uh you know, a little slide by, if you will, just to get a little mention, if you will. So there's, yeah, I think today, sh- I think there wasn't, I didn't feel that this week uh, warranted too deep a, a look into many teams, if any. Um, I felt that this week was sort of a status quo uh, outside of the, the usual drama that we can fill our boots with when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers, it seems, because uh, there's always something oh, there. Man. But, um, but it, but yeah, that's that's for later. But why don't we why don't we get right into it and go right into the um, the CFHL? Because so I think <laughs> I th- listen, this is this is a crazy Here week. Here comes the wind up. You're going to end up according to. Uh, yeah, <laughs> according to the week, you're going to end up with 106 points, which is just absurd. We'll, we'll see. We'll um, see. So but it's not a week. It's it, this is what a two yeah, week it's a two, this two weeker. OK. So, and the decision to do this was why? Again, can you explain that so our listeners understand what's going on? Uh, well, I mean, it had a combination basically of the, uh, during that Christmas period where they were canceling a lot of games uh, due to COVID and the Omicron virus. And then consequently with the restrictions in particular, in, well, actually I shouldn't say in particular because they're basically in the Canadian markets. I mean, the states are kind of filling their buildings at the particular moment. So uh, those Canadian markets that kind of had those games that were canceled, really just kind of trying to save a little bit of face in regards to uh, financial uh, losses, um, they're kind of being made up uh, along with, like I say, the uh, games during the Christmas season uh, during that Olympic break or what what would have been the Olympic break. So what we kind of did to okay. keep things really simple is we just kind of, you I mean, you can take your pick whatever week. I mean, whether it was the first, second, third, or fourth week that we decided to mash with another week of worth of games. So instead of having four different periods in the month of February, we ended up with two. So, I mean, to put it another way, myself and my team, rather than playing four different weeks, four different teams, I played two full weeks against one team and two full weeks against another team. Those last two weeks, of course, being against your your uh, squad uh, this week and next week. So, you know, remember what, so do you remember our conversation last week, what we talked about uh, when it came to, so specifically, and this isn't to say like my team is the most important thing. That's not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is that like I can, I can actually predict or I feel I can predict, sorry, uh, what's going down in the league, I can probably write out the rest of the year. 
And I feel that I started that last week. I could, cause the writing was on the wall for my team. Sure enough this week, same writing. And I know, I know in, in the grand scheme of things, we would all really like this to be um, close and tight and it's exciting. I think, I think it's safe to say now it's a three horse race. Ryan and I are out of it. And, and it's, if you look at the standings, if you look at the goals for all that kind of stuff, everything, you'd be like, what? No, absolutely not. Yes, absolutely. We are. Um, it'll be you and Joel and Tom. And that's, those are the, that's the three horsemen right now. And that's it. There is, there's no, unless something catastrophic happens to all three of your teams, the direction of the rest of us who had a hope, my dad's fallen off, but I mean, he's fine. He's in the division where he's guaranteed to get in second place. So that's okay. Ryan and I, what will happen is eventually Ryan will overtake me um, for third place, which means nothing, <laughs> I guess a higher draft pick. And that's about it. Uh, or lower traffic, I should say. Um, and then I'll end up at the bottom again, um, you know, doing my thing at, at around 500. Um, and, and that's, that's, I'll probably end up at a game below 500. That's where I'll land. And Ryan will be ahead of me and then it'll be Joel. And then it'll be you, you will win the season. That's my prediction okay, so, for the rest of the year. That's what's going to happen. Do, well, do you think that's accurate? No, to, to, to give you, to, <laughs> to give you, to, to, to give you a Good. short answer. Yes, Marty, move on. Now, to kind of get into it just a, a little bit here. All right, so what we do know, right now I have a one-game lead against you and your brother, a two-game lead against Ryan. Now, the nice little bonus that I do have is points yeah. four, so that's a nice little caveat yeah. to the side. Even if somebody ties me, I've got that little caveat in most cases. Okay, so... the. Can, hold on, hold on, hold on. You you don't you don't get to call this a, a nice little lead, okay? Because it's thirty points to the closest oh, okay. I guy. You were actually talking about and the then standings. after okay, that, yeah, it's yeah. almost. 60. I get you. I get you. So it, yeah. like it. Okay. No, 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 no. It's goals four. Oh, it's not a nice Christ. little lead, folks. Okay. Mike owns the goals four, and he has well, pretty much about... the whole year. Uh, okay. All right. And that's then not I won't, going I won't debate away. the whole year thing. Whatever. Move let's on. Move Mike, on. Go ahead. The, but what I'm getting to here is <laughs> if everything holds true, let's just say it does. So I go to 12 yeah. and five. Your brother goes to 11 and six. You go to 10 and seven. So to me, right there, and okay, so Ryan uh, slips up mm -hmm. this week too. So he'll be at nine and eight. So what? Ryan will lose. So he'll be at nine and eight. Three game yeah. lead on Ryan, two game lead on you, one game lead on Joel. Okay. So to, to me, like, listen, if there was right. five to four weeks left, now the squeeze is being put on. There's 10 weeks left of the season. Even after this week, if I'm not mistaken, there's 10 weeks left. So the way I like to look at it is, well, quickly in my own division, I've got a three game lead on Ryan. Now, I, yes, the way things have been trending, my team's been playing well, been putting up points, so great there. So, yes, the trend would suggest that, you know, there there shouldn't be an issue keeping that lead going. But here we are with Eichel coming back for Joel. So your brother just basically got a nice little kick in the pants, or if you want to look yeah. at it, a nice trade acquisition at the deadline. Uh, so he's and, – and playing well. Like, I mean, he's got so much mm -hmm. talent around him, you know, even with Stone out that – I mean, you know, you know, even if he doesn't score at a point again, yeah. even if he's at point seven five, like whatever, he's scoring, he's putting points up for Joel. So there's that going on. Um, 
you know, Tom, again, is still there. Let's, if things stay the way they are, I believe he's winning his game against uh, Scott. So he would go 12 and five as well. And I would, I, again, it would be a spot where I would be tied for the lead, but have mm-hmm. it just because of points four again, which is nice to have. Um, to me, to, to me, mm-hmm. the, the long and short of it is, is that yep. there's just too much left of the season. There's too much, um, too much racetrack left for me to kind of really say, okay, you know, I, I've got a handle on this. And so, I mean, I, again, and I don't think now. Okay. So you're, you're specifically talking well, I mean, about you winning the championship, not necessarily. No, I mean, Hey, listen, the, rest the, of the, the only I way said. that I'm looking at this is, <laughs> is to try and win this championship. Right. Like I, 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 the way I'm looking, the way I'm looking at it right now is okay. Right. There's way too much racetrack. There's, there's just too much that can happen. I mean, Let's just say for the argument's sake that one of either, well, in particular, Kaprizov, let's say he goes down. Like, that tandem right now has been ridiculous. It's uh, So, I mean, you, t- you start taking that away yeah. and, and, you know, again, with Joel kind of getting Michael and, you know, who else Who else knows what's going to happen before the trade deadline? We're not, again, we talked about that last week. We're not really sure if too much more is going to mm-hmm. happen, but you never know. So, I mean... I, I can I can understand where you're coming from, but I just I don't know, Marty. Like uh, I I just I... just so you think it's a bigger than three horse race? You well, think you there's honest, another opinion, horse stands right now? And again, I'm not really counting this week's. Well, it's not finished, so I'm not counting this week's totals. I'm I'm looking at our standings right now, yeah, yeah. and the way I see it is no. I mean, if mm-hmm. if I, if it's my honest opinion, I'm looking at myself. I'm looking at the apocalypse, the brigands, the cougars, and the demons. So to me, right now, there's five teams that can win. To, to, to me, because okay, so it's still and and, and you can and and yeah. you can oh, yeah. I'm asking you. you can <laughs> look at it whatever way you want and go down the list of of rosters and and have your preferences and this that and the other thing but we all know how how it works sometimes you know if it, two or three players can kind of get on a bit of a run uh, for a particular team and, and kind of really you know put up these 7 and 8 points per week or if you're looking at a goalie maybe a 10 point week with a shutout in there uh, it's I don't know See, but I, I think with this year's crop of teams and how the four teams that you that you talked sort of the five teams that we talked about, um, <clears throat> any other season, I would I would say you're probably right. You know, you your team to stay in it, you just need a couple of guys to go off and you'll be fine. Unfortunately, that is not the case this year. Everybody's got like even in this week, I've got a horrible week going on right now. But I do have Barkov, uh, Pavelski, who have both had solid weeks. Babovsky's had a great, actually, both my goalies have had great weeks. So I've got uh, one, two, three, four, five. I got five players with five points or more so far this week out of, I think, each one played about three games. That's fantastic. That's very good. But guess what? You've got an eight, you've got a nine, you've got a seven. That's what I'm getting at. It's not enough to have your team play well and have a couple of those players play really well. You also need, the other team to trend in the opposite direction. And that's what's happening. If, excuse me, if my entire team was playing the way they've been at other times in the season, my Bobrovsky, who's got zero points, my Kreider, who's got zero points, my Ovechkin, who's got two, um, I've got players severely underperforming. And that's why you've got a 20 point lead on me. And that's the difference, right? I still got some great players. I still got a great week. I, 43 points in a week is, is actually a, somewhat above, above average for a finished week. 
but it's just not going to cut it right now because you've got 63. So that's the difference maker there. You've got all your guys really freaking clicking and I've got guys going in the opposite direction. So that's the difference with this well, year. You've got teams who've got players who are clearly going in the wrong direction. And that's where I'm at because my guys are old. Well, I, I mean, I, I guess I can see it for, to, from a certain standpoint where, where you're coming from. Like, I mean, I think there was probably about a three or four week period there where your team was going off a little bit. Like you were having weeks of 50. Yes. So, so yes, I mean, I can see it yeah. from that regard. And from that viewpoint, if you're looking at those comparables, yes, there's definitely been a a down tick, if you will, in production for the Brigands. So yes, I will say that. Goaltending though, looking pretty good, bud. No, looking I'm pretty good. good. And, and, yeah, and and for and, sure. Am I actually? I am actually beating you at least in that category. But Robsy's got six. Huso's got five. And you got Shesterkin with five and Talbot. Yeah, man, zero. bad move. So there you go. I'm beating you from that perspective, but that means nothing. It still translates to a 20 point. No, it, it, it was more for me to segue <laughs> into Huso a little bit because, man, I got to give him a little pat on the back. Like this, it, it's uh, working out. Like you know what I mean? It is working out. So yeah, I mean, yeah. he's not. He, I'm getting the sense that St. Louis is done with the Biddington. I think they're like, I mean, I don't, I don't mean he's not going to play another game this year. Not at all. But I do think they've sort of sewn that up and said, listen, Huso is the guy for the rest yeah. of the way. Um, Bennington, you'll figure it out next year because Huso won't be around. Um, so just for now, just play it out the way it is and just be quiet. <laughs> Sit on the bench and be quiet. That's, I think, that's safe to say. He's playing great and it was a good pickup at midseason for you. So there you go. Just wanted to hit on Huso a little bit here. All right, moving on. Moving on. Yeah. Who do we got here? All right, so What's so happening? do we move on to the along the boards? Oh, along the boards. Yep. Yeah. All right, let's do it. So let do you want into, Let me get into the, Bru the Bruins. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, let, let's get into it real quick. It was something that I wanted to mention last week really quickly, but, you know, whenever you have a two-hour recording, <laughs> uh, you kind of want to... Uh, Kind of want to admit a few things. So listen, uh, it was just to kind of say really quickly here, uh, good on Tuka Rask. It's kind of too bad the way it went out, uh, the way he kind of only got a couple of games in and it just, it wasn't, it yeah. just got the hit wasn't going to work out for him. Yeah. I mean, it, it's too bad that he didn't get those games in the uh, AHL. You know, he maybe he wouldn't have had to do this at the NHL level, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't taint anything or no. uh, nothing's wrong with that. I mean, his, his legacy as a Bruin, and, and that's the other thing too, right? He didn't want to go to any other team. He didn't want any trade or anything like that. It was Makes with sense. the Bruins, and that was the end of it. So, yeah. um, and then of course, all that segues into who they have now: Jeremy Swayman, Linus Allmark, and dude, listen. The one thing I will say is there's super, super positivity between those two guys because you cannot have a goalie hug like that <laughs> and, and have any kind of and have any kind of animosity towards the other guy. So listen, and, and it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny that I touch on that because to me as a fantasy manager, like you got to love that stuff, right? I mean, they are definitely in in a good spot. Like yeah. you wouldn't be doing something like that with with a teammate. Like you know that's that's kind of their own little thing. I mean it's it's the best thing going on right now between two goalies in the NHL. So it comes uh, at a good and, time and, too and, because Allmark really had been starting to slide. Um, like his last few games are just really not so much so that like I I did have a conversation with Scott and and I was trying to think like okay it, I I just lost Rask maybe I should go I should go after Allmark just to sort of make that make sense. But then I, I sort of pumped the brakes a little bit and I'm still contemplating. But anyways, it, it it's too bad because he like he's a really good goalie. He's, he's better than what he's been lately. And I, I think he'll be fine. 
But on the flip side of that, it, what an opportunity for Swayman, right? So it's great to see them really help each other out in that sense. Like the, the fact that they've got a great relationship is just going to benefit not just the Boston Bruins, but both of them professionally. Um, Swayman's going to yeah. come into something really great because Almuk's going to teach him a little bit more because he's been around a little bit longer, obviously. So he's going to teach him what he can. And at the same time, Swayman is going to teach Almark that like, listen, you've uh, you've still young. You still got game left in you. So, you know, there's no reason for you to give up. I'm assuming these are somewhat relative to the, the kinds of conversations that they're having. So they're really going to help each other out and Almark will be fine. And at the end, I think Bruins, Bruin fans will just reap all the benefits from that. Well, I mean, listen, I'm, they're, they're in a great spot with the two of them. Almark's been a starter, you know, out in Buffalo and the guy has actually, you know, carried the weight a little bit. So we know we can get it done. Yeah. And the thing yeah. about Swayman and now listen, I, I'm, I'm going to step back here because the name I'm going to throw out or the comparable I'm going to throw out, it's pretty, pretty legendary in Boston here. And maybe it's me and maybe I'm not watching enough uh, Bruins games or enough highlights or whatever, but are you not getting a Tim Toms vibe with this guy? And, and Swayman? Yeah, and what I mean by that is, okay, let me explain. Uh, it's it's okay. not like, it, not his accolades or any of that stuff, or not even the actual way he looks, and not not even actually the, the way he looks aesthetically, the way he plays. Now, I don't mean he's floppy. Does he hate or Obama? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> and, I, and it's I don't mean like you know how Tim Thomas would flop around a little bit. I don't even mean that. Like he, he's pretty technically okay. sound and whatever, but that whole kind of underdog kind of you know uh, championing championing an underdog oh. kind of vibe of, of the Bruins faithful you know what I mean like I, mean, I don't know if I'm making much sense but I just get this kind of feel with this guy that he is a Bruin man like I, I don't know maybe it's me I mean I, I don't even know where They're... the guy's I don't even know where the guy's from so I mean I'm not saying he has any ties to he's the from, Boston well he's from Anchorage um but he's you know if you look at the thing, the, the weird thing about Tim Thomas is that when he came into the league, he he kind of had a, a pretty lengthy track record already, and it, like his success kind of came later in his career, which is a bit odd. But for Swayman, he, if there's if there's anything that doesn't make sense in this comparison, is the fact that Swayman is uh, fresh as a daisy. Like the guy is what twenty, yeah, he's twenty three years old. Um, but oh, yeah. I do understand what you mean in that he carries himself. Like it's more, it's. It's more a vibe, like um, yeah. being very honest with you. It's just a feeling. It's a vibe that I'm getting with this guy, and I don't know. I just I feel like that. But you that get that vibe, base, I think, because like, of the confidence. I think what you're talking about is a Tim Thomas confidence, where like when Tim Thomas came in, it's almost like he knew what he had to do, and he was confident, and there was no, it yeah. didn't matter. Like he was fine, and I th I feel Swayman has a, a a bit of that ability as well. Although he's still young, he, he's humbled because he's young. But he still carries himself like he belongs in the league, which is great to see. So I think, yeah, you're right with that. Like he's got that Tim Thomas vibe, Tim Thomas vibe because he's got confidence. I, I just I think they're in a really great place, and I mean they had it set up kind of from word go. So I mean, obviously there were definitely behind the scenes dealings in regards to okay, this is what's going to go down to go when you're ready to go, and so on with the other two, Swayman and Allmark. Yeah. So I mean, it looks pretty seamless to me. Uh, the team's playing well. Obviously they've got a couple of missing P. Or, uh, Actually, I think they got uh, Bergeron back today, but uh, they're getting, I think, Ber yes. uh, they're getting Marchand back for next game, either that or the game after, one of the two. So so they're yeah. so they're all getting it back together, get the band back together. And with Hall now playing the way he is, and I can't stand every last point that he gets because I traded him in one of my other pools, and I swear to God, I got garbage for him. 
And I, damn it. I, anyway, it's just killing me right now. But did you see it, it? But it took an injury and a suspension in order to get him to, to where he is. Like that's, there's no yeah, way I you suppose. saw that coming, okay, right? Okay. So, so now that, ma- that makes me feel a little better. So with, <laughs> so now Bergeron's coming. Sorry, now Bergeron's back, and I, he was back today, and I, I believe he got a couple of points, and but I, I think they stuck him with uh, Hall as well. So Hall picked up a couple points there as well. Now the th- the scary thing is, is what do they decide when when Marshawn comes out of suspension? Do they decide to keep something familiar with Hall? Because he's responded so well, um, I think they do. And I think Hall continues to, to play well, just because you can't ignore that. Listen, we're getting more production from him this way than we were with the other way. So let's try to make that work. You can have Marchant some other way, some other, uh, in some other way that you know he'll still produce. So it's to sort of bend to Hall because you know Marchant can handle whatever gets thrown at him. Or does Boston just go and like, listen, no, Marchant and Bergeron are untouchables. Or do you put the three of them? And you put your heaviest in one, but then you got Pasternak. Like, who's who's giving him the well, puck? Well, I, I know before the suspension to Marchand and uh, consequently the um, injury to Bergeron, I know what they had going on was kind of more of a duo. They had uh, Bergeron, Marchand on the top line with Craig Smith, and then they had uh, Taylor Hall on the second line with uh, Pasta and um, Eric Hall, I think okay. it was. That might have been a moving part, that second line center. But uh, I think for a little, for majority of the time, it was uh, Eric Halla. Um, if I, I would have to think that if they're going to kind of do a little bit of damage in the playoffs, ideally they would want that those two combos to continue to work that way. Um, I mean, you can always go back to having uh, Pasternak on the top line and load it up whenever you need a goal or whatever the case may be. I mean, I, I, again, ideally, I think that what they would be looking for, marching into the playoffs and consequently getting uh, a deep run would be for those two lines to kind of be clicking that way just so that just just for for purposes of making it more difficult on the opposing team defensively so i mean if you if you look at their team it's a little underwhelming like it's nothing nothing jumps at you uh, at their team like aside from hall bergeron uh pasternak and marchant the rest of the crew is there's nothing really there. So, you know, I feel like in a sense, they're kind of over overperforming or, or, or just doing better. I don't know. Everyone sort of expects them to be exactly where they are. Right. So I look at their team and I don't see like, how are they even in the playoffs right now? See, for me, it's, <laughs> are they, are, for me, it's veteran leadership. Like, I mean, they've got several guys on that team that just know, what it takes, right? Like, I mean, Marshawn Bergeron, namely, yeah. like, I mean, uh, Pasternak's yeah. been there for a lot of the winning. I don't believe he's got a cop. Yeah. I don't believe he's got a cop, but uh, he's been there for a lot of winning. So, I mean, he, he knows what it takes and they've gone deep enough in the playoffs. I would assume uh, at least one of his years around, around with the Bruins. So uh, listen, I, I think they are where they are right now. I don't, I think it's one of those teams where you, you kind of don't know wh- what you'll get a little bit like is this a team that can make a deep run i think there's several people who can make a great argument for that is this a team that may bow out in the first round i think there's probably just as many people that could make a safe argument about that as well so i think this is one of those teams where if they if things if things go right and they get all get hot at the same time this might honestly now that we're deeper into their team right now this this might be more along the lines they're their playbook than I've ever considered before in that they've got a really good goaltender. They've got a good tandem, but really it's Swayman. This is Swayman's team right now. So, and he is, you know, he's got that Tim Thomas vibe and everything. So you got a really good goalie. 
you've got at least one, if not two really good defensemen. And that's exactly what they have. And then you've got a couple of guys that can put the puck in the net and the rest of them are fillers. That's essentially what they have day, like year in and year out. That's it's always what they've had. Like David Krejci, when he was there, played a very specific role. He was a bit a step above um, just filling in the role, but he always seemed to disappear every once in a while or it was an injury or whatever it was. So he wasn't always relied upon during the regular season, but in the playoffs, he always did very well too. So anyways, what I'm getting at is that this team just seems like a typical Boston Bruins team where you've got a couple of guys that can put the puck in the net, the rest of them play a role and they've got a solid goalie. So this is their playbook and it is what it is. And can they win it on this? Not anymore. I don't think this playbook gets you a Stanley cup anymore. Um, teams like Carolina and Florida are essentially the same concept, but <laughs> four lines through, um, it's not just the couple of guys who can put the puck in the net. Like, uh, as an example, Florida, they've got that, they've got that third line that can <laughs> knock you on your butt. They like those guys, those three kids are just something else. Dude, that is a great segue. If, and you're not supposed to talk about the segue, but okay. <laughs> Hey, hey, listen, it's great. Edit it out. Okay. Edit it out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Work your magic, Marty. <laughs> Let's see what you can do. No, son. but it's true. Like this, the segue into Florida, because that is another team that you wanted to talk about. And listen, you, honestly, this whole year, we could be talking about the Florida Panthers. They, they've continued to look like the team to beat. And this is not a shot against Carolina, because I, I still feel Carolina is as much what we are about to say in the NHL as, as an NHL club, Florida Panthers are dangerous defensively, offensively. They are friggin' dangerous. So is Carolina. So Carolina fans, maybe you'll get your due next week. So just hang in there. But for now we're on the Florida and I just, I don't know what it is. You know, what's funny too is as a state Florida, I don't really jive well with the, the state of Florida, um, but as a hockey club, they're one of my favorites to watch. Um, Cause the same thing goes to the Tampa Bay. So, but this Florida team, I feel is, is something special. A lot of players on this team that I'd like to see win it. Oh man. Like, listen, if you're a hockey fan, you, you just have to love watching a Florida Panthers hockey game right now. Flat out done. Like there's tons. Of, for, and if you're new to hockey, start with the Florida Panthers. Oh, yeah. Watch one of their games. Yeah. I mean, listen, the way they've been scoring, I think I saw some sort of stat, like what was it in the last, I don't know, 10 games or something. Uh, it was like f- what 50, 55 goals or whatever. It was ridiculous anyway. The amount and and Jesus. and the, the whole thing that really got me on the Florida Panthers was I was going over some stats and listen. I mean, we've all seen what they've been doing right now. Like they're not just beating teams; they're kind of soul crushing them sometimes with some of these victories. Yep. It's like you know touchdowns and the like. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of <laughs> nuts. But here's the thing, right? Like, okay, so they're second overall in points percentage. Okay, so everybody can see that they're doing well. Great. First overall in goal scored at, well, it was 201 as of yesterday when I was writing these numbers down, uh, or this morning, sorry. Uh, so I'm not sure if they've changed. 208 now. 208. Well, there you go. That, okay, so it didn't, it didn't have the uh, seven goals from last night. Uh, they're, ranked thir- they're ranked 13 in goals against. So, li- listen, Bobrovsky and, you know, whoever they want, Knight or uh, um, whoever else it is there now, that's down there. Uh, it, they're getting the job done. So plain and simple, they're getting the job done. Yep. These were some of the numbers that were that kind of stuck out to me because they they look a, li- a little bit off. 16th ranked in the power play. I would have thought that that team would have been way better in the power play. Oh, wow. 19th, sure. 19th ranked in penalty kill. Now, the listeners out there are probably saying, okay, well, 
Why are you giving out shitty numbers about the Florida Panthers yet you're kind of pumping them up? They're getting this done with the 16th ranked power play <laughs> in the league and the 19th ranked penalty kill. Like supposed to. if these things improve, if these things improve, like it's just, oh. I mean, come on, are you serious? If they crack for, if they get on any kind of hot streak and crack into the top 10 on the power play, like, are you kidding me? Hey. Now, listen, yeah, that's th- a good point. this isn't like a completely, you know, indefensible fortress like it's not like you can't get through these guys like mm. you know like you mentioned the carolina mm. hurricanes you know a seasoned team like the pittsburgh penguins could you know start to push these yeah. guys maybe into some uncomfortable ways whatever but i mean the way they're playing right now and the other thing i wanted to mention was what you touched on really quickly that third line of uh reinhardt marchman mm. and um lundell Right now, right now, Reinhardt, 47 and 47, Marchment, 27 and 25, and Lundell, 35 and 45. I mention those totals because, listen, if they can keep any kind of pace up like that, which, of course, I think is a little unreasonable moving into the playoffs in particular, but if these guys can give you 50% of that production in the playoffs, yeah, thanks. We'll take that. Yeah. We'll take that. Thank you. Oh yeah. And 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 the reason why I go so deep with this third line is and and maybe it's just me, but you kind of, you're watching the Stanley Cup playoffs, you see these teams go deep and you it always seems that there there needs to be this kind of and whether that's a third line that can produce for you, whether that's a third line that's kind yeah. of a shutdown line, they're all. It always seems to me like there has to, you know, you, you got your two scoring lines. Every team tends to have those two scoring lines. Okay, so the third line, depending on how the team is built or what players are available to them, you know, they'll have those types of third lines. And I just find that with this team, the way they're playing, you know, they're obviously going to get to the playoffs. They got all the right pieces. And number one, D-man and Ekblad. You got Bobrovsky in net when he plays the way he can play. Uh, you know, that's a guy who can win a series for you easily. And I'm sorry, you, yep. you start mentioning guys like your Barkoffs and your Huberdos up on those top lines. Yeah. And then you're throwing a guy like Reinhardt. You know what I mean? Like, in particular, him. Yep. Like, I just, like, talk about an embarrassment of riches and... I mean, and of course, they're rumored with many of the uh, uh, trade bait uh, players out there right now, too. So yeah, yeah. it'll be interesting to see if these guys get Some even fillers. Yeah, I know. If if these guys get deeper, it's going to get pretty scary. Yeah. Well, and, and what's really already, in my opinion, this is one of the, as an opposing player, I would be, or as opposing team, I would look at this and go like, Jesus, this is terrifying. Like, how the hell are we going to do this? Because if you look at their team, so, you, they're, so they'll go, <laughs> they've got... Three players with 20 or more goals. You've got one, two, three, four, f- sorry, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six with 15 or more. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine with 10 or more. That is as balanced scoring as you can get in any team that is. Um, well, I mean, they're considered the number one team in the league that like they are actually they're at the, sitting at the very top. So you would hope this is the kind of thing you see at the top of the league. It's not a one line team, which we've seen in the past with some better, some, some bigger teams. I don't guess I almost said better, but some bigger teams that have gone further. You've got like that one strong line that you just can't shut down. And you know, they, they just perform some magic, but not this team. Like if Huberto and Barkov decide we're going to pump the brakes tonight, well, that's okay. Like you've got Reinhardt, you've got uh, Bra- uh right. Say his damn name for me. Bear- Bra- 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 Carter. Hey, 
Carter Verhage. Verhage. Duclair. Bennett even. Bennett's got 21 goals. What's he doing with 21 goals? I know. That, like, it's just it, awesome. It, and Mar- it's on oh, sorry, but Marshmont. Marsh. <laughs> Marchment. Marchment paper. He's got 11 and 25. He's sh- like, he's not going to get the credit he deserves, but he has done so much in so little time. And it's that third line again. That is just, this is to me, I equate this, this line as to what the, uh, Marsha show Riley and Carlson line is in bank in uh, uh, Vegas, where you, you leave it alone. It's sort of like your safety net, you know what they're going to produce and it's great. You leave it alone. That's what this line is to Florida. I think. I mean, it, it, to look at it another way, right? Let's fast forward to the playoffs. I mean, pick who, whatever team is going to face some Toronto, whoever. Okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. So that opposing coach has to sit there and, and devise some sort of a game, yeah. some sort of a defensive game plan against those three lines in particular, right? The top three. And now I, I'd have to take a look at the fourth line. I may be selling them short, but uh, in regards to those top three lines, you're sitting there and as the coach and that coaching staff, you're like, literally, who do we, who are we covering? And it's, not, it's not just that you can't, you want, what line do you want? You can't just sort of assume that, you know what, forget it. We'll outscore them. That ain't going to happen either. No, I know it's, you can't just sort of sit back and go, you know what? Yeah, but we've got, you know, we've got Matthews, we've got Marner. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. Matthews and Marner can only score one goal at a time. You go, you, Marth, Matthews and Marner go out and score a goal. That's fine. We'll send out Huberto and Barkov. They'll score a goal. And then, you know, well, okay, we'll, we'll get these guys. You know what? No. Meanwhile, you've got your third line on. Our third line is going to score a goal on you because that's just what they do now. And that's what. So it, you can't just assume you're going to score more goals. And that's what it, what it comes down to with that third line, right? I mean, you start getting down to that the third line. And, you know, some of these, some of these deeper teams are going to have a pretty decent fourth line that chips in. And that's the thing, too, right? You're not talking about getting getting 15 goals in a playoff run for a fourth line. If a fourth line gets you, oh, I don't know, let's say for argument's sake, like six, seven, eight goals, okay, throughout a playoff run. That's that. That's a sure. fa- that's a fair bit of production if you play. I don't know 20, yeah. 21, 22 uh, games marching to the to, to the cup or whatever. So, listen, if you can get anything near what those guys are doing on that third line in Florida. And that's why I say, listen, if they can give you 50% of the production that they're giving you right now, oh my God, like the Florida will take that in a heartbeat, man. Like, of course you're going to take that type of production because the further, further down you get in these lineups, the less and less that the production, you expect the production to come from them. And I'm sorry, but the way those three are playing together right now, it's pretty insane. And then you, again, like you're saying, you, you throw in, those names that are on those top two lines, who you know are, you know, 80, 85 point, 90 point guys here. Like, and then you just start to see how dangerous and how deep that this team is and what kind of, what kind of playoff run these guys are going to have because, man. They're going to go, well, that's the thing. Right now, I'd have to assume that, I mean, I don't bet or anything like that. I would have to assume, though, that the Florida Panthers are, if not number one, uh, in the top two uh, as the safest bet to win the cup. Um, Again, I, I don't, I don't follow. No, I'll have a quick look. You say some things while I have a quick look. It's <laughs> no problem there, man. Hey, like I'm in 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 regards to like yes, listen. You're not trying to take anything away from like your uh, your Lightning and uh, the, I mean Pittsburgh Penguins are up there. Carolina, these these are teams that all have uh, uh, their own strengths and all can make it or attest to uh, their place in the playoff picture here. But when it comes to 
Florida. And, you know, again, maybe they get there and, and some of this veteran leadership with Pittsburgh, like I'm mentioning, starts to push them, you know, in, in certain directions they don't want to go. But, I mean, if this team keeps playing anywhere near the way they're playing, they, they don't even, we don't expect them to keep putting up nine goals and seven goals. Like, that's not the, that's not what we're saying. But, I, I mean, this no. is a team that, this is a team that you could easily, even in a playoff hockey situation, I mean, I could easily see them putting up five spots, you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, just because of the type so this of team is they have. Weird. I don't know who to follow for this kind of thing. Because again, I, this is not my. This is not where I live. I don't do. I don't do sports betting or anything like that. But so I don't know what website is this. This is covers.com. Five days ago, they got the Avalanche as the heavy favorites. Exactly. Then they got Tampa. Then they got Vegas. Then they got Florida. So there's they're okay. in fourth. Then Maple Leafs behind. But then there's a. <laughs> this one's Odd Shark. So they. I can't even. There's sites under currently under construction, but I, I've got the quick Google view here, and Florida's not even in the top five. <laughs> they got Toronto, Carolina, Vegas, and Pittsburgh. Um, wow. Or sorry, maybe that would be five. That's four. So yeah, like I don't, I don't, like I don't understand how these things work, man. Like how do you, how do you not have? How is Toronto number one? Like uh, it, what are they basing this on? And, I, and you know what? How is Toronto ahead of Carolina? I, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Like they, I don't even think they won the season series. So that, like, how do you put them ahead? I, 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 but downs. I don't know, man. That's pretty tough because I mean that's giving it a lot of cred to the Lightning. I get that they're back to back Stanley Cup champs, but they're nowhere near as deep as they were. And like you say about no. that, uh, about that second site in Toronto. Oh man, I don't know. I don't know if that's a site that's based in Toronto, maybe or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, but, maybe. man, that's, that's giving them a lot. That's giving them a lot of cred too. But like, listen, and too like, much. like, like we say, I mean, it's 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 one of those things where we, they're playing extremely well right now. They're a super deep team. They should go deep into the playoffs just with the way the team is built and 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 the type of players they have on that team. But you know, as as with anything, anybody can have a, a great a seven or ten days and and just you know play them in a, in the right way and you know, knock them off. But I just, I, I really see, I really see that as being a tough out man right now. I, well, I mean, especially when you consider So Florida is going to come out of this most likely up top. If they're not at the top, they're number two. So it's one of the others. So that means they're going to be playing some underperforming teams. Like they're going to be playing this, the bottom seats. That's just what happens. Right. And that means they're going to get past the first, most likely past the second round. So now you're already in the third round. I don't see them slowing down uh, in the third round. Uh, I, I see them breezing through the first two rounds. In fact, probably even sweeping both. I can see them sweeping both just because they're that good. Same thing goes for Carolina. Um, but Florida is just not, they're too much of a force to be reckoned with. And to be able to come into the playoffs and be playing against some really weak team, like let's say Boston ends up in that eighth spot. I'm sorry, but I just, I don't see Boston. This is what I mean. Like Boston doesn't have, anything remotely close to what Florida can produce out there. Marshawn will get in somebody's face, but it doesn't matter. Like it, 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 that doesn't have that as much of an effect on a team as it used to anymore. So Marshawn better just stick to stay, uh, scoring goals. Cause that's all they need. And Florida's going to outscore them. I don't care how many times he scores a goal, Florida, every single shift will outscore them. It won't even be close Boston. I'm not even sure we'll even make it quite frankly. If we keep talking about this, I don't see Boston making the playoffs. I see them going into a little bit of a struggle. They won two lately and that's fine, but I don't know. I, I, I just see them being overtaken by, um, by someone else. 
Well, I mean, listen, it's going to be an interesting go here. Things are tight. I mean, we went over it a couple of weeks ago, right? With these top eight yeah. teams in, in, in those two divisions, it's going to be something. I mean, in particular, the Metro. Who, whoever comes out of the Metro is going to be so battle-tested, but could be uh, black yeah. and blue. Could be black and blue as well. So we'll see how it all plays out. But I'll True. tell you I'll tell you what, the, the, the matchups are going to be pretty incredible. So no matter which way this kind of goes, uh, we're going to have some yeah. really, really good uh, matchups in the first round, that's for sure. What I do think would be interesting, and this is the kind of this is the team I did want to talk about a little bit. I do so now that like imagine this scenario because I do think this is the kind of dangerous team that you probably don't want to face going into the playoffs. For one, it's backed by Steve Eiserman. The guy is no fool. He has helped, he may not have gotten the, the ring as a result, but he's the reason Tampa won the rings. Let's just say that out there. Everybody agrees. Moving on. The Detroit Red Wings going into the playoffs will be on some serious highs. And I'm it's because of not just one player, but getting Verona into their lineup and infusing Verona onto that top line of uh, Larkin and Raymond. So the way he played last year for them in 11 games, eight goals, we all know just so much promise. And I'm telling you right now, Detroit fans are pumped to see him on this top line. He may end up on the second line. That's fine. He'll still produce. Definitely be top line power play. But I really, I don't see them horsing around with this at all. I see it as a, a Verona on the left, Larkin at the center, and uh, Raymond at the right. And it's just the two of them basically feeding Verona or, you know, Larkin banging in a, a rebound or something and, and continuing on his tear because he's having a bit of a career year in terms of goals as well. They're going to go into a crucial time of the season to overtake that eighth spot. Like, again, trending is very important. And yes, Boston's won two, but I think, I don't know. I, I'm not convinced that they've got what it takes to make it. I can see Detroit kind of leapfrogging them. I'm not suggesting Detroit could beat Florida, but I do think they would leave a mark on Florida. It'd be a lot harder for them, in my opinion, to beat Detroit than it would be to beat Boston. I think they could sweep Boston. But I don't think they would sweep Detroit. I think Detroit's got something more on them. And that's because Eisenman knows what he's doing. His team is full. His team is complete. There's, they're just waiting for the, for the flower to bloom on a lot of these players. And they're going to be these. Detroit's going to be amazing in the next couple of years. There's no questioning it. Well, I mean, and we talked about them earlier on in the year, kind of the Tampa Bay 2.0 thing, right? And yeah, again, it's true. Again, going back to uh, Steve Eiserman, I mean, his fingerprints are all over this again. Uh, you know, here here he is, and and, and we talked about it uh, in regards to some of their draft picks as well. Uh, Simon Edmondson, I think, was playing in the uh, in the juniors uh, for, I believe, Sweden. Uh, you've got um, um, yeah. Mo, Mo Sider, who we picked a couple oh. of years back, which was kind of you know a little bit off the board, and you know people were wondering where is he going with this. Well, I, again. Oh. Don't like, don't doubt him. Just don't doubt him. He no. puts he puts people around him uh, that know what they're doing, that are obviously uh, educated in in regards to the the scouting of these players. Uh, you know, like you're saying, he goes out and gets Verona, makes that deal with um, with Washington. Nice young player, kind of fits the mold of of how both he and uh, the way he builds his teams uh, play. So, I mean. 
you you said it. This it, it's just a team that's waiting to mature for some of these great draft picks that they've made to kind of blossom. And I mean, this is going to be a danger. They're kind of dangerous now. Like we like you're saying, this is a team yeah. right now that's definitely going to be playing spoiler. I think it would be pretty yes. tough for them to get into that fourth spot where Boston is right now, seeing as Boston does actually hold a game in hand as well, and they're mm-hmm. ten points ahead of them right now. Ten points out. Yeah. But 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 listen, uh, here's the thing about Detroit. And if you're a Detroit fan and and you've been following this team, you know you've had some lean years here. You're 23 and 22. So to me, right there, like you're one game True. above 500. You're playing 500 hockey with that hockey club. Todd Bertuzzi, uh, Todd Bertuzzi, not Todd Bertuzzi. Tyler <laughs> Bertuzzi uh, is obviously not playing every game for you. He's not able to come up here into Canada. So there. And that obviously doesn't seem to be stopping him in regards to his production, but you're missing out on that from time to time. So, I mean, this mm-hmm. thing is, the, the point is, is that this machine still hasn't even cranked up the top notch yet, right? And it's going to be something whenever whenever it does. And and keeping in mind too, uh, now we'll, it remains to be seen how this kid plays out over the next three, four, five years. But they've got that kid in, I believe, Edmonton for the Oil Kings, Sebastian Cosa. 6-6 goaltender. So, if you know, wow. again, again, uh, listen, I, I, I'm no scout. I, I, I'm no pro scout uh, kind of guy. I don't, you know, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know every little thing about every player, but I mean, you get, you got to kind of lean on him a little bit in regards to his track record. And if this kid is anything close to being any kind of a, a decent goaltender, like you're, you're starting to put the pieces in place here. And I'll tell you what, it's going to be something that's going to be interesting to watch over the next few years. What's interesting to watch is to watch Eisenman build a winner. Like oh, it, it is, it is very entertaining from a, from a fantasy standpoint too. You would be, you would be hard pressed to find a better GM to try and mimic as well. Um, that's part of the reason why I went after kind of aggressively Verana and why I protected him, even though I knew he was going to miss a vast majority of the season. Um, there was so much promise. I liked him in Washington. Uh, I wanted him then Scott scooped him up and then, but then he didn't protect him. So I went and grabbed him and then there was a chance for me to let him like, cause I knew even at the mid season, like this, if he comes back, even in February, is it worth it? But like, no, I kept him because I do believe that Iserman's giddy about him. And if Iserman's giddy, that's good enough for me. Um, I might even protect, like, regardless of what happens this year, I might even protect him again this year, not to give my cards away or anything. But I might even protect him again this year because he's so young too. Like, and he, and he has proven that he can put the puck in the net. I mean, for, for me to keep it quite simple in regards to Iserman and, and how he drafts and, you know, what it means for me or, or what I'm looking for on my fantasy teams, this, that, and the other thing, anytime uh, another year goes by and another entry draft goes by, I'll definitely look like, of course, for the longest time it was with Tampa Bay and his draft choices over there. Now, of course, I'm focusing a little bit more on Detroit with him being there and, the thing that sticks out for me is, you know, I'll, I'll go down these lists year after year, right? And you're kind of looking at these guys like a Mo Sider. And again, like I just mentioned, Sebastian Cosa out in uh, the WHL, uh, Simon Edmondson playing for the juniors in Sweden. And the thing that always kind of hits me is I'm like, okay, that's someone I'm going to want to keep an eye on. If for nothing else, 
because he drafted them. Now listen, because he I'm drafted not, them exactly. Now, now listen, I, I'm I'm not looking at at like you know every third and fourth rounder that Detroit's going to be drafting here over the next five years, but especially when you get like of course when he made that that choice for Mo Sider, I mean. I, I think, you know, I, I, safe to say everybody in the pool kind of keeps a close eye on every draft and has a good idea of maybe the top five or top ten guys in every draft. When it came to, to this Mo Sider, I was like, okay, you know, I haven't really heard that name an overabundance. So you kind of start looking into it, but you're starting to look into it because he made the pick, right? And you're like, okay, is, is he? And, and, and even back then when he made that choice, I'm like, is he doing it again? Is he doing it again? <laughs> so you just... Uh, uh, safe and, to say. And I don't know if that's just me and, and it's something that I do for my my teams or whatever. I don't know if you're the same thing or maybe Joel or Tom or one of these guys can give us a shout or a text or whatever and let us know. But um, I, I've always felt that way in particular about him and how he builds his teams because you're sitting there and you're like, okay, well, you're able to kind of get some decent fantasy stuff out of these teams, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the first rounders. Like, you know, some of these guys that he plucks off of, uh, uh, you know, undrafted players, and, 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 you know, it doesn't always work out. But, I mean, you know, like like a guy like Braden Point, right? Like, I, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he was like a maybe a, a third or a fourth rounder. I can't remember. I don't think he was first round. But the point is, is that, you know, he kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. Uh, in regards to pedigree anyway. And you just kind of sit there. and 79th overall, so yeah. (laughs) So you know what I mean? It's not like you're sitting there saying, okay, I got my eye on the top 10. Like, he was nowhere near it. But just like... You get somewhere along the line, he, he he starts to hit enough, and it's not just the first round where you have to start as a fantasy manager at least paying attention. And again, yeah. I'm not saying that uh, you know the fifth rounders that this guy's picking every year are going to turn into an 80 point player there. That's not what I'm saying, but you just it, it makes you pay attention because he's right a lot of the time. Not only that, I feel with the ones that he he you know takes a swing at and misses, they don't generally cost him anything. And if it is, it's not a whole heck of a lot. Like he's never really crippled his teams. Like look at Tampa. They're still, they're still one of the best teams in the league. He had, he didn't cripple them when he left. In fact, I believe one of their, one of their strongest assets is their young group of players that they still have under contract playing in other places. And they, they have a promising future. Even once this aging team decides to move on, they've got people behind them ready to fill in. Those are all, Eisenman picked. Now, do they all turn out to be great? No idea. Time will tell. But they all have a chance because they were all picked by Eisenman. So there's something to be said there. That's the thing. You don't need them to be first liners, right? Because with your Kucherov no. still around, with your Stamkos is still around, the point's yeah. still around. All you need to do is start. And, and I mean, look, even a guy like Sorelli, right? These kind of guys, Kalorn. So yeah. you're starting to, so you're starting, that's five guys right there. So that's your top two lines right there. All you need to do is start filling in these third lines here. And, and I mean, yep. you know, if you're getting, hey, listen, if you get the some extra production from them, great. So it's just, it's the way that these teams are built sometimes too, right? So mm-hmm. it, it, like you said, right off the top, I mean, this is going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out in Detroit. And if you're a Detroit fan, I, I don't know, man, what to tell you other than you're in good hands. Uh, just sit back yeah. and relax and, and, and watch the progression. And honestly because, enjoy man, Exactly. Watch that progression and enjoy it because it's something special to watch this team come together. It's like you're literally watching the plan unfold before your eyes. There's there's no other 
I've never seen it with any other type of GM, like, cause we followed Eiserman along in Tampa and you saw it become what it is today. And that, that is a back-to-back Stanley cup winner. It was, it's a thing of beauty. I feel we're, we're watching that with Detroit. Detroit is one of the, maybe not, well, sorry. They're definitely not one of the top teams in the league right now, but they're absolutely not one of the worst teams at all. They're, they're like, I know last year, I feel like even last year they had a chance at making the Stanley Cup, uh, sorry, the playoffs. Did they not actually? I well, I think right they were. Now. I think they were definitely down there a little bit. It was a bit tough for them last oh, year, if I'm not mistaken. Never mind. Dead last. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> um, was that last year? 1920? No, that was 1920. Sorry. Where is 2020? 2021? ESPN is not showing 2020, 2021 for some reason. They don't. Damn that's it, not, ESPN. That's not Damn a year. It. That, <laughs> just did not happen that whole well, season did not happen last year <laughs> i mean wh- while you're checking that out it gives me a chance to to talk yeah. about probably the most integral part of that team and the biggest intangible of that team and i don't know if it's just me but i've always uh, kind of loved just the situation that he's under dylan larkin american player yeah fr- he's from the area hometown kid his his hometown yeah. team like there, that kid is going to have so much pride being in that organization and leading that organization as the captain. I just think that Eiserman has got probably the best thing going for him in regards to who can lead that team, and especially coming into this growing phase that they're going to go through. Uh, I don't know, man. I I just got a really good feeling about Larkin, and I think he's. Listen, I'm not trying to say Stanley Cups are coming to Detroit here, but I think you've got one hell of a leader down there, big time. I think you can look at Dylan Larkin. Should he really, should his career really start to take off? And then this isn't fair because it's, I don't like doing this because it's different generations. So I find with different generations, uh, the game has changed so much. You can't make that kind of comparison, but like you were getting Tim Thomas uh, vibes with Swayman. I'm not kidding. I'm getting Eiserman vibes with Larkin. Um, And it's just ironic that Eiserman has sort of paved the way for him to become that player for them. Because he, he got rid of a lot of noise around Larkin and has just sort of left Larkin there and said, like, look, I've created some space for you. This is your team. And really, he has, he's handed him the, the Detroit team and said, there's, in a sense, there's more to your game. We're going to go out. We're going to get some players, fill that void for you. And you're going to be that much better because of it. And us as a whole, as an organization, we're going to benefit from it, too. Because if you look at Larkin's career, it started out relatively fine there's nothing terrible there but holy geez did Detroit ever go into a funk for the first few years of his of his career Eisenman steps in and like I said starts filling in that void gets out a, a Raymond and now brings in a Verana and that top line for him is it's going to change his career and it's going to turn him into potentially even hopefully those Eisenman-esque numbers but Larkin has that kind of thing that kind of charisma that kind of presence on the ice that reminds me of the way Eisenman was with the, his days in Detroit Listen, I mean, you know, I I think we've basically exhausted everything about Detroit here other than other than to say, listen, sit back and enjoy this because this is going to be a nice progression here year after year. You're getting some quality players that are going to be coming up the pipe here, like, you know, as early as next year here. And and in the the future, it's going to be something to watch because they're kind of, you know, they're kind of that quiet, dangerous team right now going to spoil some. uh, uh, some playoff spots, I think, down the uh, down the stretch. But man, oh man, it's uh, the watch them in, next they're, year. They're they're in great hands. Suffice it to say, they're they in are. great hands with Eiserman. 
it's and just to head over for to the west before we do the oily habs segment um what's up with nashville what happened did we jinx them is that what happened is that on us because i feel like ever since we talked about how they were a bit surprising it's, that they've it, been it absolutely be horrible since i don't want to admit to it. i don't want to admit to it but it could be I mean, I, 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 I it's a little bit us. I, maybe, maybe just a little. Okay, you know what? We'll take a little bit of the blame, but that's all. We're not yeah. taking the rest. <laughs> they've they've lost four in a row, and and in that span, their goals against has spiked to four and a half, which is really not good. And, and I get it; they played against some tough teams there. Like you're not, Carolina is never going to be an easy win, and I get that. But I mean, still losing. I think it was five to three it shows the things that were so great and why we talked about them. It shows that they weren't there in that game. So if you were going to be one of the elite teams, the way you respond to another elite team is it, it kind of shows where you really are. So maybe that was a, a sign of like, eh, maybe they've been coaxing on some good luck because I feel like a lot of the players in Nashville has sort of taken a huge step back. They're just not that's the same team that they were when we initially talked about them and gave them so much praise I mean, here, about Nashville. The good thing is this. I mean, they haven't completely, the, the well hasn't completely dried up offensively. So they're still putting the puck no. in the net. Now, you know, you, of course, every team wants to score a little bit more. So of course, I'm sure they'd have, like to have a nice little bit of a uh, punch on offense, but again, it hasn't gone completely dry. And, when you get goaltending that's allowing, you know, four goals per game here, you know, in, in that general area, that that's going to be yeah. tough to win hockey games, especially like you're saying against some of the teams uh, that they've played recently, uh, you know, kind of teams at the top of the standings here. So, yes, mm-hmm. you, you would have hoped that there would have been some better play from Nash, Nashville in particular as of late. But, you know... At, at the very least, actually, here's a question for you: Is the jump in goals against as a result of leaning on Saros so hard for so long? Is this him starting to show that he maybe he's tired? That could be a possibility because listen, you're you know he's he, yes he's he's gotten a little bit more meat on the bone in regards to starts over the past couple of years here, but this is mm-hmm. like th- this is definitely is that first year where you can say this is UC Saros's team. Like end of story. Yeah. He's the guy. So yeah, you know what? It, it certainly could be the case here too, because we're in the dog days of it right now, right? Kind of that end of January, you're trudging through February and you're, you're kind of, you know, you're getting to the certain areas of the, the season where it's starting to get a little bit long. Maybe you're dragging a little bit. So it, it certainly could be the case for sure. I, I the ni- like I, like I say, think, well, nice- think of it this way. He has started or he has played anyway, or yeah, started 42 games of their 50. Like, like, I mean, that's that that's a heavy workload, man. That's a heavy workload. That is a very heavy workload. It, and it doesn't look like they're going to... I don't know how that switches at any given point because um, their other two options are not much. So, I mean, he's got great numbers. He's doing the job. But at some point, you got to let him rest a little bit. Otherwise, you, you're, you're looking at an injury at the worst possible time. And I think now is the time to maybe let it rest. Well, bit. I mean, it, it, it can't just be all of your back-to-backs. That can't be the only time that you're getting yeah. your backup in there because, you know, your, your starter is going to need a little bit of a rest from time to time. So, uh, you know what? It, it certainly could be, in particular at, at the time of year that we're at right now, it certainly could be in for him uh, a case where he maybe has played a little bit too much. We'll, we'll see here how 
and the next in particular the next couple of weeks go just to just to get an indication if if that kind of trend continues with him then i think you can probably start to be a little bit more concerned but like i say I, if you're looking for any positives right now with with this recent slump of theirs at the very least it, you know at least you're still got some offensive punch and if you can get a timely save here or there maybe you take one or two of those games and kind of move on and call it a 500 you know four game or six game span whatever that may be and and just see what else you can get done here as we go as we move along to the uh, deadline all right well that's enough of everybody else i want to talk about the oily Habs. i want to move into the way okay. segment because yeah, i do man, think do we've got some good stuff to, to cover a little bit in there and and it's not it's not all going to be shit this time for the oilers <laughs> or the habs uh because honestly the habs are um they're a, they're as as happy as any team could possibly be right now, especially for being the worst team in record wise uh, in the league. Um, I don't think they're the worst team in the league, uh, but I they just they are because of their record. But I think they're I think you would have to say that they're they're probably one of the happiest teams collectively uh, right now. They seem like they're a lot happier right now. Would you agree? Well, I, listen. First and foremost, the eye test is much much easier. They actually look like a hockey team now, not a junior A team. L- listen, yeah. uh, the long and short of it here is Marty St. Louis has definitely given these guys a little bit of shot of confidence. Okay. I mean, he's not going in there and rah-rahing these guys to make a playoff push, right? He's going in there yeah. and trying to get these guys a little bit of confidence. And that's going to go a long way, especially and the give way them things... purpose. Yeah, man. Like, I mean, especially the way things were going, right? You just want these guys yeah. to be able to come to the rink and not be in the doldrums. So at the very least, he's changed yeah. that up, you know, and, and at least this is a team that, you know, is kind of playing for each other. Now you can kind of see there's a little, like, listen, I'm not saying that there's a, an us against the, the world mentality in that room. But, I mean, listen, it, it's been a really tough year. So maybe there is some sort of, you know, well, let's let's just go out there and see what we can kind of get done here. And they're playing some good hockey. I mean, listen, it, it's a long way to go. There's a lot of mistakes that are still being made. But, uh, yeah. you know, whenever whenever you're getting uh, a point-per-game production over the last five games with a guy like Caulfield, uh, you know, giving a little bit of shot and an injection of, of uh, exuberance, youth, and and scoring, uh, if we're talking about actually putting the puck in the net here, you know, you, you got to love w- with what's going on on the ice. So, I mean, as a Habs fan, and in regards to the on-ice play, listen, it's, it's much more, much more uh, digestible. <laughs> To watch any of these any <laughs> nice. of these game any of these games anymore, uh, it, it, you can kind of see a little bit of purpose here. He, Saint Louis has definitely yeah. had an effect on that team, and it's been in a positive manner. So, if nothing else, you can definitely take that, and 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 everybody can see that as well. So, I mean, that combined with uh, some of the signings that they they've been able to make here over the past little while, and another one this week uh, with uh, with Le Cavalier coming on board, it's not it's not like this big thing where he's coming to Montreal or anything like that. He's actually going to be doing the job uh, from down in Florida um, where he's got his family and everything. So, And it's just more along the lines of a case where, you know, he's going to be looking at some video and checking things out in regards to maybe players that they want to uh, target either in trades or something like that or, you know, just uh, doing some sort of uh, light scouting on a certain player for them. So it's just kind of like, you know, some fringe stuff. But I think the more important uh, part of that signing is, you, you know, you can kind of see that they're just... 
they're getting people in there that they trust and and uh, uh, you know people that they're comfortable with obviously I mean I know that a lot of people seem to be thinking that there's kind of a uh, country club coming into there but I mean in my personal opinion yeah but when has there not been in Montreal <laughs> well, well no but I mean to it like I mean it's it depends on how you look at that statement right like if you know they're bringing in these guys like Saint Louis and Le Cavalier and at the very least to me you're bringing in people that that these these players and people in the organization can respect right like these yeah. are just like I mean nobody nobody I'm not calling anybody a bum that plays in the NHL but it's not you know you're not just kind of bringing some jabroni off the street here like you know Marty St. Louis had a great career uh Le Cavalier did damage for a number of years uh in the NHL as well like these it just offers a little bit of respectability uh to to the signings that are coming in there and I I think by bringing in both of those guys they're really making concerted effort to to um, appease to any players coming into that organization whether that's to bring in a free agent whether that's to bring somebody in through trade or whether that's just the players that end up being on that team year after year i think they really want to drive this organization uh, uh towards um um really making it a player uh, um, friendly, and this is probably not the right word, but uh, a lot of their initiatives are going to be player driven. Don't if you see will. it as being um, an uncalculated move. There's something behind bringing in specifically Vinny LeCavalier, Marte Saint Louis. There's a purpose behind bringing those two and what they have. They've got pedigree, they've got clout. You go, you you have to respect both of them and what they've done in their careers and where they are at this point now. That, like you said, they're not giving Vincent Lecavalier the keys to the to, to the to the suite or anything. They're just asking him to give his opinion and seeing where that goes. It's up to him to decide how involved he wants to be. Now, guaranteed, both of them have passion for the Habs. They're both French Canadian. You know they want this team to succeed just based on that alone. Now, yes, they never played for them. They played against them, but that's completely different. That that's no longer the case. They are now both part of that. That and I've said it before that the Montreal Canadian lore. They have that. They there no other team in the league has what they have, and and can sort of sit with that, knowing that that's like a an extra player on the ice. If you make it to the playoffs, that's that extra player. So they've got something special by bringing them in. So there's a purpose behind it, and. All of this with, if you combine what uh, going out and getting those those two management pieces in uh, Gordon and um, uh, the Hughes. other guy, Hughes, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so bringing in those two guys that was purposeful. Bringing in these two guys that was purposeful. Starting to make these moves, these trade, the Toffoli trade, which, like, I I don't even know why I I said at one point that. Cause it was asked on Twitter, like who won this trade. And at first I was like, well, you know, it's a little too early to tell, but I do give the edge to Montreal just because, you know, four pieces to one, but then Scott brought it to my attention. Like, Oh, come on. It's definitely Marty or it's definitely Montreal. And it's true. It's definitely Montreal. Um, they were going to lose to Foley no matter what. So, you know, you go out and get what you can. And man, Calgary got hosed Four players. Like I get it to a uh, couple of those players, not so much yet, but at the end of the day, four players for one, you know, you've got the better end of the deal. So you got two picks that could be anything. God knows what they can be. You can get a Braden point at 79th overall. You have no idea. Plus the other two players they got that they do have, one of them playing in the Swedish Elite League, he's actually not 
horrible, but you know, not doesn't stand out either. So much promise. It's it's a it's a much better situation to be in. But again, it's got purpose. It's got direction, and I like that all of this is outside of the norm of how Montreal has is used to operating. That's my biggest thing that I love the most about everything I've seen lately. And, and it, it kind of goes back to that. You, you kind of keep mentioning the plan that Gorton and, and Hughes have. And I mean, of course, we're not going to know every little detail here of kind of what they see moving forward, you know, kind of six months and a year down, down the line here. But I will agree with yeah. you 100%. There's a lot of out-of-the-box thinking here. You know, bringing in St. Louis to coach, that was kind of, yeah. you know, that caught everybody off guard. Yeah. But, but, but you know what? And, and we talked about it at the time. There was nothing to lose there either. Like there just there there no. just wasn't like I mean that's okay. when you gamble. <clears throat> okay, so things go worse. <laughs> they were bad to start off <laughs> with. Like you you, okay. you got you got nowhere to go but up in that in that particular case. And you know what? Like I say, I mean, they're bringing in people that they're quite familiar with. And, and look, you know, if some people want to look at it as a country club and this and that and the other thing, that's fine. But they obviously want to surround themselves with people who they're comfortable with. They have, a, a, you know, many of these, these between these four, St. Louis, Le Cavalier, Hughes and Gorton, there's quite a bit of a link between uh, most of them, uh, especially when it comes to uh, Le Cavalier and uh, uh, St. Louis have a long history, if I'm not mistaken, with Hughes and, and his um, um, player agency. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. So... So just, you know, I, I just think it's the right moves at the right time. And I, 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 I don't mind these signings in particular when you can kind of sit there and say, okay, like what, what can bad can come out of that? Like there's nothing that, that, that there's only positive. I think the taking advantage, <laughs> taking advantage of a bad situation where you've only got one luxury left, which is to gamble, experiment. Uh, you've got time before you need to worry about anything else because the season's lost already. Um, you know, now's the time to, to, like I said, gamble and experiment. And that's exactly what's happening. And St. Louis is doing, doing that as well as a coach. And there are, there are things to benefit from all this. So you're, they're all making the best of a bad situation. The season's gone. Okay, what else can we do, though? What positives can we pull from this? And they're going out and they're doing that. Kudos to them, man. It's exactly what you would want to see as a fan from a season that you know is lost. And I mean, speaking from a fan's point of view, at least the rest of the season, you can kind of see the promise, right? And you can kind of see the light That's at right. the end of the, the light at the end of the tunnel a bit here. Look, the, 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 you know, diehard Habs fans know what's coming. Like we're we're not making yeah. any kind of a run to a playoff next year, probably not even the year after. Now, what I do like that they're doing, and this is the last thing I'll say about uh, about the, the Habs here for this week, is. I like the way he's not, and now I know this has been done by many teams uh, through many rebuilds, retools, or whatever, and Hughes is not giving you any kind of, it's a retool, it's this, and it's this. He knows yeah. that he, he knows that some of these players, you know, uh, and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, I don't think they're going to be able to get rid of everybody. Like, they got rid of Toffoli, you know, may, are they going to be able to get rid of a Gallagher? Are they going to be able to get rid of an Anderson? Some of these guys are going to be around, so... You're yeah. not go you're not going completely scorched earth, but I think he wants to hold off in, in particular because of what's kind of happening with teams like uh Detroit, right? They get some some high draft picks 
It doesn't take five years for these guys to... And they start doing a little bit of small damage. So, listen, I'm not saying that two years from now, Montreal makes a playoff push. I'm just saying that I don't think that he wants to really commit to any kind of this big time frame or any specific words because I find what we're seeing more and more with a lot of these teams in the NHL, if they do go with any kind of a retool or uh, any kind of rejigging of the roster, uh, what comes to mind namely as the Rangers over the past couple of years, that can kind of happen a little bit quickly and you know in particular about the Rangers we didn't we, when we talked about them Lafreniere and Kako aren't doing much anyway so it's not they can say well oh they had these high picks they're not doing anything for them production wise anyway so they were able mm -hmm. to still make this happen uh, uh you know somewhat quick turnaround so it, if there's anything that a Habs fan can can take solace in is that you know it may not be it may not have to be as long as like a, a five or six year rebuild here so you know uh, good luck on them uh, no. good, good luck to them and, and 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 good on them for the hires that they're making and 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 uh, for the out of the box philosophy that they seem to be going with as of late so we'll see what it, it, it turns up to be here as the uh, year ends out for them but I think they're going in the right direction speaking man. of going in the right direction um, I know a lot of Oilers fans are like, oh, yeah, right, and getting all giddy and everything, and they're seeing things all nice and shiny because this is what they are right now. Edmonton's very shiny right now. It's very pretty. It's very nice. Yes, it's very nice. I get it. You've you've gone on a winning streak since you brought in the new coach. And, and listen, cr credit where credit is due. Should things really continue down this path, um you know Wood, woodcroft's going to deserve all the credit and he and he's going to get it all and and he honestly honestly god he deserves it and this, honestly this just goes to prove though that they needed a new voice in there sometime in december when i first said they needed it so from now on oilers just listen to me don't do this thing where you wait in between just t tune in and find out what i think and then move on from there but um what what i want to make clear though Woodcroft's not reinventing the wheel here. That's he's not doing anything extraordinarily special with this team. He's doing exactly what Tippett has did the whole year, uh, what Hitchcock did before him, uh, what other coaches have tried to do with this, relatively speaking, this core of, of players, but essentially McDavid and Drysdale in the last seven years, kind of thing, because that's where their years are at. They're, David's played seven, Drysdale, I think is at eight, but something like that. But anyways, what I'm getting at is that, the, you know, it's accountability. It's, you know, get back on defense and it's, you know, put the puck in the net. It's, it's not rocket science. None of this stuff is, but sometimes it's just, it needs to come from somebody different. And what Woodcroft's got over all those other coaches that I mentioned. And the reason why I think it, this is working out for him. One big reason is because these players, a lot of them know him from the AHL. A lot of them have familiarity with him. And there's also just a way in how he presents himself around these players and how he carries himself and how he speaks to them, how he approaches them. The, the There's a lot to be said. There's things that you can't teach. There's things that you just either you have it or you don't. And one of them is how to connect with players and people, humans. And I think Woodcroft's got that, that all those other coaches didn't. I think he's able to connect with these players in a way that makes them sort of go, all right, you know what? I'm going to push a little bit harder and it's going to be for Woodcroft, but it's going to, it's going to, you know, favor me. It's going to favor us, the team, but it's going to be for the coach. And, and that makes sense. All of this makes sense because of everything I've heard about from the players, they all love him. Like they all really like him and this philosophy and everything, but nothing I read and nothing I see is anything new. There's nothing about 
what he's doing that is extraordinary. He's not changing it. The lines are basically the same thing. So there, there's nothing about this that screams, whoa, man, change of everything. This is a new philosophy. And no, they're, they're just, Edmonton is just deciding, okay, well, you know, we'll do it for him. But there's a caveat in all this too. It's not just necessarily for him. You need to take a look at the wins that they've had. And they just came off a loss and a big one. And I think this is exactly why I'm saying, you know, proceed with caution. So they went on a bit of a tear ever since Woodcroft started. So one, two, three, four, it was five wins in a row. But look at the teams that they beat. Islanders, 100% trending in the wrong direction by the time they met Edmonton. Perfect timing. They beat them 3-1. Didn't blow them out of the water. Defensive team, but not playing very defensively. Edmonton should have done a little bit better, but whatever. A win's a win, you know, and you won one for the coach. This first one, excellent. Next one, San Jose. San Jose's lost six in a row. They were on their way down. This was just the beginning stage. They blanked them. So that's you know, good. Still got to win the games, right? Yeah, okay. Let's keep going. LA. LA is the only team out of this that I'll give them props for. They beat them 5-2. LA has continued to be consistent. They will still be in the playoffs by the time all of this is said and done. LA is the real deal. Anaheim, they beat them 7-3. Anaheim, will, they're, they've already fallen out of the playoffs, clearly trending around direction as well. They're just not a reliable team. That's another easy win. <clears throat> Winnipeg, another team that's kind of all over the place this year. You never know what you're going to get with them this year. And it's exactly what happened. They got a win 4-2. Now combine everything, you know, a new voice in the dressing room that we recognize and that we appreciate that we actually really like and combine that with, you know, some teams that are struggling, going all in the wrong direction. Oh man, it's a perfect recipe. Or is it also possible that the, the Kane experiment has finally started to show that, you know, it was a good move, which means Tippett would have had the same record as well. So there's too many ifs with all of this. But to me, the biggest one is when you run into Minnesota. <clears throat> all right. You won five in a row. Here's one of the best teams in the league. What do you do? You shit the bed. 7-3. You didn't just lose. You got clobbered. You got beat two, over twice the amount of goals that you scored. You're doing exactly what you were doing before on all those other losing skits. You've shown that you haven't gotten that much better. Like, I, I'm not convinced with any of this is what I'm getting at. Like, it's nice. It is. It's shiny. But I think at the at, at, with all of this that I just said, I don't buy into it. I'm not convinced at all. This is still a lost season. We're not going to be where, where we're supposed to be, which is at the, either the beginning or in year two of some sort of dynasty. We're just wasting year seven of McDavid and year eight of Dreisaitl. This is absurd. So let's not get too giddy with all this Oiler fans because this is nothing but shiny bullshit. So that's my piece. I mean, listen, they obviously got a, a coaching bump and they started to get some goaltending. Now, listen, uh, I do uh, see what, you, what you're saying in regards to it not being top teams here in the league. Like, I get that. But what, what we can say is they were getting the goaltending that they needed. Now... In regards bit, to the, just to be clear, though, that was a bit all over the place. I think that was Woodcock trying to decide which goalie was he going to be running because he went through the the three, for sure. In that now, in that in that spread. So now, of course, you are getting your measuring stick game against Minnesota, and we've talked about them at length several times uh, over the course of the year. That's going to be one of those teams. I think that's going to be a real tough out in the playoffs. It's just a team I don't yeah. think that you want to play in that first round. Hell, I don't think you want to play in any round no. for that matter, to be honest with you. And no. they showed. But exactly if you want to be in the conversation of the elite, you need to beat a team like Minnesota, like Carolina, like Florida. If you can't beat one of those teams, you're not in that conversation. You're in the bottom. You're on the outside looking in. Well, you certainly can't have the performance that you had. 
That's for sure. You know what no. I mean? Like you seven have three. To, no, you, you have to be able to kind of give this team a competitive game here. So listen, I I, I will agree with you wholeheartedly that. You know, there there is definitely at some point uh, a pumping of the brakes that has to happen. Uh, they were going, they, you know, they were running pretty good there, five and zero uh, with Woodcroft. Mm-hmm. And listen, I, I I've done a lot of uh, of, of uh, research in regards to the Oilers here over the past little bit, trying to read as much <laughs> as I can because listen, I'm I'm not this big X's and O's guy, but from what I understand from a lot of the information that I'm reading, the one thing that he's getting his forwards to do is to come back further into the defensive zone right so it's funneling the opposing team's forwards over to the boards which is allowing the defense to now stand up a little bit better now of course none of that happened against uh minnesota they got railroaded in the first period now you know there's a lot of it was just one of those games and and listen with the way they've been playing with the way they've been playing under woodcroft i'll give that the benefit of the doubt yeah, where you were five and zero, it's now five and one. Maybe it was one of those games. Maybe you did revert to the way you were playing before. Yeah. I, I, I still agree with you a hundred percent, though. That you know, breaks do need to be pumped because I wouldn't say that Edmonton is anywhere near uh, uh, out of the woods per se. I still think they're gonna. They're, I still think they're gonna get into the playoffs. Um, I don't think that's gonna be an issue if they can continue playing some decent hockey. I mean. At the end of the day, Marty, it just has to be goaltending. They, they have to get a save. They, it, we know what they can do offensively. That's never been the issue. It's always been the goaltending. And, and I, I know sometimes we try and skirt other ways and this and that and the other thing, but really it's going to come down to those two guys and what kind of goaltending can that they provide to that team as they make their march towards the playoffs. Yeah, and if I can just <clears throat> one more thing about this team, because this is, this is the crucial, this is, this is almost like a, a TSN turning point for them right now, is how do you respond after that kind of a loss? Now, that'll show what's left in this team the rest of the way. Again, I don't believe, I, I do believe that this is a, a season loss for us. Um, the only thing we do really have left is hope. So if I'm going to hope on anything is if they come back, because they're playing Tampa next, if they can come back and do something very different than what we saw against Minnesota, but do it against Tampa, another great team. Cause they got a, t- a tough stretch here. You got Tampa, Florida and Carolina the next three games. Good fucking luck. But if you can, if you can muster quality games out of the next three, after being, after losing seven, three to Minnesota, that'll say a lot more about this team than what the winning streak did. Cause I, I don't care if you lose, if you lose, but I mean, you shouldn't lose all three if you want to have a positive conversation about it. But if you, at least if you lose all three in overtime, right? And it's two to one or something, or it's three to two, where you can show that you've made progress uh, progress in certain troublesome areas in the past, but managed to hold your own against three of the top teams in the league, then there's, there is, there's more than just hope at that point. There's promise. And that's what that's that's on Woodcroft. That's what he needs to figure out. How do I get this team to respond from a seven three drubbing to one of the best teams in the league? How do you come back from that? It says a lot about your character as a team, as a coach, as a player. We need to see something against Tampa. It's got to come right out fast and furious. It's on Wednesday. I'll be watching 
most likely, or maybe I'll just watch the highlights because yeah, it's, oh no, it's Eastern, 7.30 Eastern. So I might be able to watch it. So, but anyways, I, I think that's very important coming out now. Well, I mean, look, I, I have to agree with you 100%. It's going to be pretty telling how they can come out of this, especially after the game they had against Minnesota. Now, I mean, yes, you want to win. End of story, you, you want to win every game, obviously. But going back to what you're saying about how they're going to react to this, even if they don't win the game, Marty, but they can they can show up and have a good, solid hockey game, that's what I'd be looking, I mean, again, aside from an abs- just a flat-out win, take the two points and keep moving on here, sure, folks. Yeah. You, you know, what I want to see as an Edmonton Oilers fan, at the very, very least, is even if they cannot take that game, I want to see a lot of battle. Right. I, I, yep. You're damn right. I want to see what these guys are made of, and I want to see how they can respond to this, because Woodcroft seemed to turn the dial a little bit. Again... Yep. It's it's nice that he had a good stretch of games against maybe some not bottom feeders but not exactly cre- uh, cream of the crop here, but no if 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 they can have a good showing here, moving into the n- next couple of games, that's going to say a lot about this team, especially with everything that they've been through. So, you yeah. know, listen, uh, I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, I everybody knows my feelings in regards to the Oilers. I think it's only good for the league and good for hockey if they're in the playoffs. So I hope that they can continue to right this ship. Things had gone well for a little bit. A little, you know, you got thrown around a bit last night, kind of shown what you're going to be up against here moving towards the playoffs. So let that be a lesson Mm -hmm. to you. I'm sure Woodcroft's going to take a lot out of that game and uh, probably uh, move it forward into his game planning here. So, uh, but, you know, listen... With the way things have gone, as an Edmonton Oilers fan, you have to be at least happy with the coaching bump. They didn't respond badly to it. They didn't come out and lose three games straight, you know, looking all disheveled and, and, and out of sorts because it's a new coach. They came out to a 5-0 go. Irregardless of who it was against, you're in the NHL and you're winning hockey games, so they're in a good spot. Yeah. I think, like you're saying here, though, uh, we're... And the Edmonton fans in particular uh, are definitely waiting to see how these next few games play out under yeah. Woodcroft. Because, yeah, it, it goes a long way, not just for this year. It goes a long way for next year. Um, being able to react properly. Uh, I'm sorry, react properly. I, I feel like I'm under, I, I'm not giving it the respect it deserves. Being able to come out and show that you've you've got more fight now than you did from the last game. Like you've got you went down seven three. Well, you know what? come back even harder you want to be a team that other teams fear to play on the back end of being uh, of a loss of 7-3 like oh jesus you know what they lost 7-3 yeah watch out for them because this is when they they tend to, to really fire up and then they go on stretches like let that be what you're known of as opposed to you know it's the oilers this year they lost 7-3 it looks like they're at the beginning stages of another skid and that's kind of where I'm at right now with them. I see seven, three after winning five. I'm like, okay, here we go. Here's the, here's the real Edmonton Oilers right now. So hopefully that's not what it is. I mean, you would want to see the fire in them. Like you just said there. I mean, if you had your way, the best thing would be for them to put up a three spot in the first period of their next game. Bang. Like just get out out there and and, really fast. Like we're not happy with how this went. We were playing well and people think that we're going right back to the way we were. 
It, it, you know, I, I can definitely see that from an Edmonton fan's point of view. You know, they, yeah. they want to see a little bit of pushback here. Uh, yeah. Don't let Tampa touch games. the puck for the first five minutes. Let that be your and, mission. Listen, it, it's another measuring stick game. Okay, like you tripped up against Minnesota. Now you got uh, Tampa Bay coming around the corner. It's a measuring stick. Get out there. Get oh, yeah. after it. Yep. Get after it and see where and see where you're at. So I mean, yep. you know, they got they got all the motivation in the world. They were slapped around a little bit, and we'll see how how things go here. But yeah. I, I mean, I do like some of the small things and and, and some of the things that I'm that, that I'm taking in and reading about the Oilers over the past little while. So I hope they can yep. kind of keep that thing up, and we'll it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of games here to see how this plays out for them. All right, I think that uh, segues nicely into our last segment of the night for Beauties and the Beasts. Um, the uh, the segment that usually, uh, I don't know, it's the one I kind of like the most. Because um, you do really good with these. You do a very good job. You, you and I kind of take this in a different approach. You go right into the, like, oh, this is how tall they are and how much they weigh and it's their age and this is what they're doing. This is what I think and this is the stats. And, da, 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 da. and I'm like, this guy, he's doing all right right now. No, man. Hey, listen. <laughs> I got feelings. <laughs> listen, listen, for those folks who don't know, Marty is right. Like I do write a lot of the stats down, like how tall they are, their weight and the whole bit and stuff. But I do find to a certain extent, like I, as a, as a fantasy manager, I've always tended to like guys that are a little on the, the bigger side. Like if I have a guy 5'11 or a guy that's 6'2", I tend to kind of, you know, lean to the guy who's 6'2", just because when it comes to injuries in our league, I can't stand it, especially in our CFHL league where you, you can, you put a guy in for the week, he's in for the week. If he gets injured that first game, that's it, bud. You're done. That's so right. I hate, <laughs> so I hate injuries, and I do tend to do that. So I like my listeners to be able to kind of decipher that. I know I haven't been on it the past few weeks, but I'll get back on to it this week. But I say all of that to say that maybe Marty doesn't do that, but he definitely has a lot of information in regards to numbers when it comes to some of these players in his write-ups. So. Uh, you know, whenever you're looking to, to to get some numbers, Marty's definitely your guy for that, for sure, in regards to how they're Analytics. doing hot, cold. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah, you got it down. Yep. So, and you know what? <clears throat> since since I tend to start most weeks, why don't you go ahead this week? Fair enough. Uh, and actually, this is a good place to start. It's a good player to start, Zach Hyman. This is a, this is a guy who has really responded well to Woodcroft. He's, he's actually gone on a bit of a tear. So he's got four goals the last four games. Um, and he's got two assists as well. And this is really the, the kind of player we were hoping to get at him. We've seen flashes of it, but there's been a lot of inconsistencies. And I think that has a lot to do with how Tippett was playing him, which was juggling him through lines, which I always said was a bad thing for a player like Hyman. Hyman needs consistent chemistry with certain players. And Woodcroft has seemed to really settle into where he is. So I think that's going to benefit not just Hyman, but the team as a whole. That's kind of the, one of the things I really like that Woodcroft has actually done with this team is given it some consistency, whereas Tippett seemed to look in all the wrong places to try and fill holes. But back to Hyman, this has been his, in my opinion, his one of his best stretches all season long. Because it's not just the four goals and the two assists, but it's just the way he's always been a plucky guy. He's always like in the corners, fighting for rebounds, fighting for loose pucks, and that kind of thing. I'm seeing a lot more of that. But I think what's really beneficial for him in his game, and especially Edmonton, is that he's now he's got some chemistry with a strong supportive cast around him. 
and it's just the, the this the enough with the juggling it's really helping his game and we're seeing it now so hopefully this is the beginning stages of something that we were wanting out of hyman and that's why everyone was so excited for him to get was it a seven-year contract um i know some people felt like maybe that was a little ballooned but quite frankly i think he does deserve it it's just it has to be it does have to be kind of a specific situation for him to have the, cons- the kind of consistency that we know he can. There's nothing wrong with being the kind of player that needs to be next to um, McDavid to put the puck in the net because we've seen it from other players. Just because you're next to McDavid doesn't mean you're going to produce. You still need a guy who's actually going to produce. So having that kind of player, which is a hymen, that goes a long way. So good for him. And, and it's part of the reason why they went on that tear. Hey, listen, you're, if your team is going to be successful... He's going to have to be part of that. I mean, he he's the, he go. is your prototypical playoff performer. I mean, I'm not saying that this guy's going to put up exorbitant totals in the playoffs, but he's a guy that you're going to need to have produce in the playoffs and the story to have success. He's that guy. 100%. You you there's a reason why he was brought in for 7 years. There's a reason why he's being paid the money that he's being paid. It's because of what he's been able to provide to the Leafs and what the Oilers are expecting him to provide there too. So, you know what? Mm-hmm. I I can't be happier for the guy. I mean, he's got I think he yeah. mentioned it already, 4 goals in the last 4 games. That like that yeah. that's listen, the Edmonton Oilers he's a good don't guy expect, too. I mean and and they're you know, that, that's the type of production that they've been expecting out of him. Now, of course, he's not going to score a goal a game, but this is the type of game that they've expected of him to play. I've watched a couple of yeah. their games the last, the last few weeks, and you can start to see... I, I'm starting to see the player that I did see in Toronto. That's basically the way I can kind of put this. Kind of banging and crashing, kind of sticking his yeah. nose in there. Just play, You know what? He's playing Hyman hockey. I, I don't know how to say it yeah. other than that. He's playing the type of hockey we've come accustomed to watching him play, and he's yeah. getting rewarded for it. And I think that that's what I'm most happy about is that, you know, I, I don't think that he his game hasn't changed much. It just maybe hasn't get, been getting rewarded with it, right? And any player will tell you, if you start putting a couple of biscuits in there, I mean, it, the confidence just starts to... You know, it starts, starts to, to gain roll, that. Tra- yeah. Well, it starts to gain traction, right? You start feeling better about it. You know, he gets, he ends up getting put in maybe a better situation. Starts taking off a little bit. Team starts playing well. You know how it works, Marty. If a couple of things start getting rolling in the same direction here for this team. I mean, who knows what what can happen here? There's they can still of- be they can still be very very dangerous, and and I think, but again, I think for Hyman, it's, it's good to see. But I I do believe that a, a big um, a big caveat for Hyman is to have consistency. Like you're right, his game hasn't changed. He's still playing Hyman hockey, but I think that's one big reason why you need consistent line mates and to have that chemistry is because. From a player's perspective, watching him go, it's like, it's, I, I don't know, maybe some players just sort of get in odds, like, geez, look at him work. And it's like, buddy, you're supposed to be working too. Like, either get in there or put yourself in a position to receive the puck because he's going to get it in two seconds. If you're not used to that, if you're not accustomed because you don't see that because you don't play with him very often, then you're just not going to be there. Whereas if you've got the consistency, if you've got the chemistry, 
you'll know that, listen, Hyman's going to get the puck in two seconds. I know where he's going to spit out because I've seen him do this before. I'm going to go there in advance. Now, all of a sudden, it's because of habit. It's because of what you know. It's because of chemistry. It's because you've done there with you. So you've done that. You've been there with him, Hyman. And now, now all of a sudden, you're getting the goal as opposed to the puck just being dribbled down into an empty corner. You're there in that corner to pick up the puck give off one more pass and now you've got a goal. So that's, that's what I mean by stop juggling him around, let him find consistency with some players that can actually do something with it. And I mean, you've got McDavid and I think Yamamoto right now is yeah, it's Yamamoto. Those are his linemates right now. So, I mean, that's just, you're going to do great. I mean, for me, and the last thing I'll say on Hyman is I just want to see him on one of the top two lines. I'm not a big fan when they slide yeah. him down to that third line. I just think no. that, listen, the, to, to me, so why is there? The, well, and, that, and that's what it goes back to, Marty. You brought this guy in at that term and that money yeah. to not be a third liner. Sorry. So for me, just get him on one of those top two lines, let him settle yeah. in somewhere. And I think that yeah. that'll go a long way in just stabilizing a few things. Right. Cause with that Kane yeah. signing, I, I, I know I said, I wouldn't say any, anything more, but with that Kane yeah. signing, it's just allowing to, to, for a few players to slot a little bit better into the lineup yeah. or down the lineup, which I I'm hoping for the Oilers goes a long way in uh, making a yeah. playoff push here. <clears throat> For sure. Um, so Matt Boldy, what yeah. a player, eh? Dude, is this like, is this guy not fun? Hey, listen, he is making the most of his opportunities, and I know I, I'm not. I don't want to take away any thunder, but what I will oh, say okay. is this: I will. What I will say is this: is as a Marco Rossi owner. Now I know Rossi's playing well in 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 Iowa for uh, Minnesota's uh, farm team, but man. Okay. Boldy has just come around the corner, but and just taken the baton Ooh. and run with it, man. Like he I like, I don't know. That, I don't fire. know that he's going to slow down. I don't know that he's going to slow down either. He's he's got eight goals, eight assists, sixteen points in sixteen games. He's just. But the thing is, he he's always done this. Like he's always been this kind of producer. This is <clears> nothing new. It's just you. It's just you assume at some point, especially when you make the transition from AHL to NHL. You're going to hit a wall and, and then you got to figure that out and then you move on. And I don't see that with him. He's never hit a wall in his career. Every time he gets promoted, he seems to just do exactly what he does, which is score goals, get points. So this is, I don't think we're, I, I don't think we're watching anything that we really should be all that surprised with, but I it's, it always does come off as surprising because what he's 23, he's 20. Like, I, I don't, should he be this confident at 20 years old? I don't think you're supposed to be, but he's, it doesn't hurt. You're playing with Matt Zuccarello, who's having such an amazing year. And then of course, uh, Capra's off, but still he is producing, he's putting it up. He's, and, and, and again, you look at his career, this is him. This is his MO. This is how he's always produced. This is how he's always gone through the ranks. He's always done very well at the next stage that he's been brought into. So I, I love watching him. I love seeing this. Well, I mean, for, for me, the thing thing is, and we've seen this with, you know, teams that are strong and heading to the playoffs. Here here comes, you know, someone out of the blue, right? Like, I mean, I I, I could think we could safely say they were looking at more like a guy like a Rossi, right? To kind of potentially make his way up that lineup. It's in particular because they were a little short on centers. Now, having said all of that, I love this kind of stuff because you've got a Minnesota team this team has been playing well all year. This guy kind of shows up in the new year. 16 points in 16 games, I think you mentioned. I'm, yeah. I, I, like, and, and, and you're integrating 
a guy, and I believe he played for the U.S. Uh, program for the juniors. Yep. So yep. this is a guy, he's got some pedigree, he's played in big games. You know, he, he, he he's probably been the best player on any team he's ever played on growing up and, and leading up to this, right? So, you and, have and to the, assume. <laughs> and the scary thing for me is that you're able to kind of integrate this guy, third line, maybe he sneaks in on a second line every once in a while. I know you've mentioned he's on the first power play. Like, are you kidding me? Like this team was all like this team was already real, real solid. Like before this guy yep. even showed up. And forget Rossi too. Like, I mean, what's to say that they don't get into a couple of injury troubles and now you can bring up a guy like Rossi? Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm not saying he's gotta play a second line, but maybe he plays a, a fourth or third line for you. All this to say, this kid is in a wicked, wicked spot. He is so not depended on for offense. They've got other guys there that they know they're getting their offense, and he comes in there, point a game, 16 uh, <laughs> points in 16. Like, I don't know, man. Like, it's just, it, it, you kind of, it kind of, Remi- starts to remind me the depth that they're starting to get a little bit here. Yeah, uh, you're going back yeah. over to the East with the Panthers, right? I won't get into that whole story again. We've already talked about them, but you're just starting to add more depth going into the playoffs. And I mean, this guy obviously, obviously can put the puck in the net. And and I think you mentioned too, he's uh, even Steven, eight goals and eight assists. Yeah. So it's not so this guy can spread the love. Ob- yeah, man. Like, I mean, the guy can dish. The guy can put the puck in the back. Like, you got a bit of a dual threat here. So, listen. Well, you, you, again, what's the, what's the most impressive thing to me is that this is nothing new for him. Again, because I look at, at his on Hockey DB every year. So, so when he starts out, he just he doesn't let up. So, like his first year with the U.S. National Under Seventeen team, forty-one points in twenty-seven games, seventeen goals. His first uh, his first year in Boston College. Uh, 26 points in 34 games. That's this is actually his only really down year. He only had nine goals, 26 points in 34 games. But the very next year, 31 points, 11 goals in 22 games. But then again, then then his first season in Iowa, 18 points in 14 games. And this year, he's got 10 in 10. So everywhere he goes, all he does is produce. He's so consistent. So I only see the sky being the limit for a player like this. He doesn't, he never slows down. He, he takes it all on. When he played for the world juniors, he had five goals in seven games for seven points. He, all he does is produce all he's ever done. Like, I don't know how we're not, uh, how the entire league isn't just talking about him all the time. I mean, Tom's got to be loving this guy. Cause I mean, the way this guy is playing, he's at least, you know, you got, you can kind of see this guy on a second line and first power play unit. Right. I mean, the guy's on the first power play unit now. So, I mean, they, he's, they well, always... he's exactly what you just described. He's on the second line playing with uh, oh. Goudreau and Fiala, and there he's in the go. first power play. And there it's exactly what you're look at the production you're getting out of him. I mean, you know, the rich get richer in regards to that. And like I say, you still yeah. got Marco Rossi, who's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. he was kind of flirting with a point of game down there. So you got some center depth down. I'm, I, I don't, I don't know. I just, it, it, it's one of those teams that, you know, I'm, I'm looking at Calgary's, so I'm looking at the Minnesota wild. I, I get the feeling like some of these teams are going to be such a ridiculously tough out. Yeah. Like, a, yeah. you just don't know how it's going to go. A series can kind of turn on a dime with injuries involved in the whole, and just, with the parity of the league, but I'm just, I'm looking at you, Calgary, and I'm looking at you, Minnesota, and I'm, I just get the feeling like if these teams go out, you are going to have to scratch and claw your way past these teams, man. Yeah. And when you start to see things like this, and you're, you're mentioning Boldy, 
It's just the rich get richer, and I, I and he, and the guy, you know, on top of everything, Marty, I've watched a couple a couple games and some highlights about this guy. He's got a little sandpaper with him too, eh? Like, oh, good. He's he, like he's not, he, he, you know, he kind of mucks it up a little bit, and if there's a scrum in the corner, like he's, and you know what I mean? How he's it, so yeah. comfortable on the ice. I know, he's just I know. so comfortable, and that's why I mean, he's doing so well. Now, I mean, you know, for all we know, the guy could just be on a ridiculous hot streak. But like you're saying, I mean, the the, the numbers kind of suggest otherwise. And you just got to yeah. kind of hope the kid can kind of keep it up. Yeah, it's good for hockey. It's always good for hockey. Oh, uh, yeah. Moving right along, Adrian, Adrian Kemp, which, uh, <laughs> all right. So I kind of shit on him a little bit uh, for the All-Star game. Um, and I'm not pulling back from that at all. I stand firm that, you know. He was someone who benefited from the fact that, you know, players get voted in rather than merit. So, you know, I, again, I'm not I'm not pulling back from that. But I also said that, you know, these weren't bad players, so they were just undeserving. So it, it is what it is. So but the way the way things are going right now in L.A., because L.A. is the real deal. They haven't they haven't slipped up. They're, they're still going to be in the playoffs, I think, because they're just they've shown that they've got that longevity consistency. And as long as this guy's clipping, they're winning. So he's got seven points in his last five games. He's got four goals um sorry four goals in his last two he's up to 23 goals in the season so it doesn't appear that he's going to be slowing down and honestly the la is going to just depend on him because he's leading the league or sorry leading the team in goals by a, a, a nine margin the next closest to him is nine behind so like obviously this is the guy so they, they ride or die with him and it is what it is. And hopefully he stays healthy because it is, it's fun. I like seeing LA. I've always said, I've always had a soft spot for LA. So I like that. Um, but again, don't, don't mix what I'm saying here. I didn't, you know, when you think of yourself, that Panarin wasn't at the all-star game yet Kemp was that that's, that's what I was talking about then. But now what I'm saying is that he's, he's a good player and he's doing really well right now. And LA is the real deal too. Well, the one thing I do like, in particular to some of his stats, he's a minus one, so he's not exactly a defensive liability. You're able to kind of throw him out there, and I'm sure that's why yeah. he's been, and if I'm not mistaken, he's been on that top line off and on. I think he definitely top six, obviously, uh, yeah. especially with that production. So, you know, loving, loving the plus minus. In, and again, because he's a younger player, right, you're able, if you can show the coach that you're not going to give up you know, goals every time that, that you're on the ice, that's going to go mm -hmm. a long way in you getting some ice time. And the other thing that kind of stands out for me a little bit in regards to him and being a younger player, he mm -hmm. is shooting the puck a lot. He's got 139 shots on the year. Yep. So, you know, when, again, you know, if you're looking for, especially in daily fantasy, I always like to kind mm -hmm. of mention that during our mm -hmm. shows, he's definitely a type of guy that you kind of want to take a peek at, uh, you know, playing on, on, I'm not sure if he's on the first power play, but I know he's yep. on one he's of He's first, them. first. Okay. First, first. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, even even better that way. So he's a nice little lad that way. But again, just a kind of a nice <laughs> young player that that that's kind of. I mean, would they? Any? I think anybody would want uh, more production out of him. Um, you know, especially with the pedigree of where he was picked in the draft and stuff. But yeah. I will say, but I will say this, and you touched on it. A twenty-three goals is nothing to sneeze at in the NHL. If you can put twenty goals up in a season in the NHL, you are yeah. a legitimate player that can that can bury the puck. And he is having what a great I, year, so you can't take anything away from him. Not at all. And one thing that I forgot to mention that I want to mention now is that what I'm really liking is that he's having this kind of a season, which is really it's it's his best in the NHL. He's doing that as a response to getting more ice time. He uh, over the last uh, three years, he's averaged somewhere around 15. This is his first year averaging upwards of 18. 
So he's doing more by give uh, after being given more. So that's exactly what you want to see. This is growth. This is exactly what you want. So if you can get that out of all your young core, then Jesus, man, you'll, you'll be, you'll be awesome. Your team will be exactly where they are. They're in the playoffs. So it's exactly what you should see. So good for him because, you know, making good on your minutes is, is huge for your career, huge for a team. So, you know, again, good, good for him. I mean, the, t- the team themselves is doing well too, right? So, I mean, there's a nice atmosphere yeah. down there. Things are, things are definitely aren't as, uh, as desperate as they had been the past couple of years in LA. So, you know what? Good on them. I mean, whether they make the playoffs or not, I think this is a complete success for that team right now. And we talked about it, uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago in regards to Anaheim, you can throw Anaheim in there, even to a lesser extent, San Jose. I mean, these are teams yeah. that, you know, they probably expected, They, I'm sure they didn't expect to be where they are. Maybe they did, no. you know, inter- internally, maybe they did. But at the sure. end of the day, I mean, it certainly is uh, a case where all three are doing much better than I think anybody expected. And, you know, yeah. definitely successful years for all three, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to end with uh, my little beastie boy here, Alexander Radulov. And quite frankly, players on the Dallas team collectively collecting big bucks that uh, I don't think they deserve anymore. Um, so, so while I, I did pick Radulov, that essentially he caught my attention, but the same can be said for Ben, Klinberg, and Sige. I'll give a pass for Ben. Um, he's discovered that he's still a valuable and reliable leader in the locker room and in basically in other ways. But, uh, you know, like Sige, he could easily be here too. I could easily be saying uh, Tyler's second, but I think I already picked on him once. So I'll just, I'll, I'll let him off the hook this time. Um, but for now, I'll just focus on Radulov and, and simply he's just basically disappeared. He's, he's dwindled into obscurity over the last two seasons. He's making 6.25 million. He's supposed to be part of the offense, but with 16 points, two goals in 43 oh, games man. on just over 50. Like it's not like he's not playing. He's playing over 15 minutes. Um, he's also a minus 15. Like there's nothing to write home about this here. Like this is, this is his last year on his contract. And it might, honestly, I think this is last year in the NHL. Um, I, maybe another team picks him up and, uh, you know, he goes on, uh, it goes on to do something on a fourth line somewhere, but, um, I I've got nothing left for Radulov. Like he's, uh, he's always been. I've always felt looked at him as sort of being a temperamental player, but when he went into Montreal, he actually did very well in Montreal. And I kind of liked him in that fit there. And then when he came over to Dallas, he started, he started okay. Like he, he does have some good numbers there, but just this year to, to just completely disappear. And again, there's a couple other players who've decided to do that. I don't know if that's a coaching thing or if it's just uh, an environment thing, but um, you know, this is still a good team. They're just not relying on players who are collecting big paychecks like this. So Radulov, you know, I think this is the end of the line for Radulov. We could potentially, like you say, could potentially see him in a different role in another team. I mean, I, I, I would have to imagine that this is one of those guys that's probably going to finish his career out in the KHL somewhere as well. Yeah. So we'll, we'll kind of see yeah. how that all plays out. But you're you're totally right. I mean, when you get down to kind of brass tacks here and you start talking production in regards to numbers and then you start <laughs> looking at the actual cap hit of this guy, and I think you said yeah. 6.25. Uh, thank For God that they're in the last... Thank God they're in the last year of that, bud, because yikes. Yeah. That's <laughs> not pretty at all. No, no I mean, one, nobody's thankfully... happy with that. I'm sure Radulov's not even happy with it, but I mean, come on. 
two goals for 6.25. Like, Jesus. Now, I mean, thankfully they don't need him, but I certainly don't think they yeah. need a 6.2 million on the books either, right? So, <laughs> no. I mean, you got you, you got to hope something can turn up here towards the second half of the season for him. But I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's at this point, it's pretty much a write-off. And, you know, it's just yeah. going to uh, ride off into the sunset, I think, Mr. Radulov here over the next uh, <laughs> couple of months. So we'll, uh, we'll see how that all plays out. Now, yeah. speaking uh, speaking of him riding off into the sunset, let's go the other way around and let's talk about somebody who is going to be starting their career off. And uh, you know, I would have to say that this is one hell of a uh, hell of a start to uh, begin your Olympic career with. Not bad. Uh, we're actually go- we're actually going to go a little outside the box here, and I'm pr- even though I don't think we ever have we've ever had any rules in regards to our Beauties and the Beast. I am definitely the f- got first guy to pick a player that is not in the currently in the NHL right now or not even drafted. We're talking about Yura Slavkovsky. Let me say that again because it's fun. <laughs> Slavkovsky. It is fun. It's nice. <laughs> so 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 listen, this is a this is a kid uh, that is seen uh, definitely in the top five and probably much higher after his performance at the Olympics. 17-year-old kid out of Slovakia. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, you're looking at a big boy, six foot four, 218 pounds, 17 years old. At the Olympics, he ended up with seven goals in seven games for seven points. Uh, where he is, his club team is uh, playing in uh, Finland's top division. I think he plays for Jokerit, but I'm not 100%. I'd have to double check on that. I'm on it. Either way, this guy. Either way, this guy has played himself, into my personal opinion, the top three of the draft. And, I mean, yes, you've got Shane Wright down there in Kingston. And, you know, he's been kind of long seen as the favorite to go number one. I, I mean, Marty, with the way he played at the Olympics, you, you definitely could not argue with somebody, I don't think, picking this guy first overall. I mean, with with the way Juran Poloserura. I don't know what that's the name of his team. Okay, though. all right. Well, hey man, he plays there. <laughs> Definitely saying it wrong. He, play, he plays. He there. plays there. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, this kid, keep an, keep an eye on him at the draft because I, I really think his stock just yeah. went through the roof here with the way he played, and I, I just he made I, enough noise for sure. Well, I, and, and I think the thing that, of course, is really getting all these GMs. Uh, licking their chops is the size of the kid. I mean, six four two eighteen. He, yeah, he's a, he, at seventeen. I know, man. Oof. And 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 the scary thing is that whatever team he goes to is going to get their strength and conditioning coaches on this guy. Can you like honestly, man? Like, if this guy's able to do some of the and it's look, he didn't play against the best in the world at the Olympics, but th- these guys aren't chumps either. Sure. Like, there's some great players over there. I mean, you're again, you're talking about a 17 year old here that's playing against that's, that, that's, that, that, that's playing against grown men. So you know, all the best yeah. to him at the draft. I think you get you get definitely have to keep your eye on this kid. Uh, you know, as a Habs fan, I'm certainly uh, licking my chops a little bit here. If Montreal doesn't end up getting first overall, maybe they end up sliding and getting this kid. Who knows? He definitely fit the bill in the way of yeah. size. And uh, listen, sl- yeah. listen, you're going to want to keep your eyes on Yura Slavkovsky over the next few months. Slavkovsky. 
Slavkovsky. It's the best, man. It's the best. Whoa. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Holy shit. Got a little overexcited there, bud. All right. So moving on here before Marty gets too excited. Darcy Kemper. Now, this guy had a little bit of a hiccup here with an injury uh, um, earlier in the year. But, I mean, yeah. this guy has been playing off the charts, I want to say, the last 18, 20 games. I think I saw a stat where he was yep. like 16-0-2 in the last 18 or 20 or whatever it was. Anyway, he is on. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, eh? he's on a serious run right now, playing for a great team. The only thing that could derail anything here, guys, is another injury. He does have a little bit another of, injury. Uh, yeah. He does have a little bit of a history, so that is all, always something that I think any kind of fantasy manager wants to keep an eye on. But I mean, yeah. the, lately when he plays, he's giving you quality starts. He's giving you wins, so he's doing exactly what he should be doing. I mean, stats on the year here, guys: thirty-five games played, twenty-five wins, five losses, two point four zero. Goals against average and a 920 save percentage. All you might want to see the goals against average a little lower, maybe, but it's nothing to be concerned about whatsoever. All the other numbers are great. I mean, I don't think he would be on any kind of a free agent list on any kind of a daily fantasy. But if you own this guy in any way, shape, or form, ride it out, ride out the, the good times here and let it go. Um, next up. Aaron Eckblad on defense for the Florida oh. Panthers. Uh, listen, j- just short of a point a game for the year, 49 games played, 13 goals, which in our league, as you know, Marty, is uh, equates to 26 points right there, um, just in goals alone. So you throw on another 34 assists. He's got a total of 47 points, which is, of course, much more in our league, uh, plus 35. I mean, the way the team's been playing, how can it not be uh, a, a huge plus yeah. there? Guys playing serious minutes, 25-13 time on ice. Yeah. And, I mean, you know what? The thing that really caught my eye in regards to this, I mean, aside from all the numbers, whatever, he's 26 years old, man. Like, this that's isn't a good... What, yeah, that surprises me, too. Like, came into the league as an 18-year-old, you know, had some good years, had some injury issues, which kind of probably stunted things a little bit. But at 26 years old, completely in the middle of his prime, I mean, he is a number one defenseman. And the nice thing about it is they have such a nice top six D down there in Florida that Mm -hmm. he doesn't, you're not seeing the 28 or the 27 and a half minutes of ice time. You're probably going to see that that big uptick in the playoffs when they start to maybe shorten the bench a little bit. But the nice thing about it is I don't think you're tiring him out. You're not kind of, you know, there's lots of gas left in the tank here with this guy, I think. I think The so, way yeah. they've been able to play him. Because as a number one guy, you would tend to think it would be more like a 27, 28 a minute guy. Or even at least, you know, kind of pushing 26 and a half. Yep. yep. But, I mean, he's just, he's just a little over 25 minutes. So, I think they're in really good shape down there with him. And, you know, good on him. He, he's definitely deserved these past couple of years. In particular, in the way of the production, which I think a lot of people, both in real life and fantasy managers, have been waiting on a little bit. So, you know, a little bit, yeah, that's safe to uh, say. Good on him. I mean, he's definitely fits into one of the uh, beauties this week for sure. Um, in regards to my beast this week, I'm probably picking on him a little much, <laughs> uh, especially when you're talking about a guy that's got 26 points in, in 45 games and is a 23 year old. So, I mean, you know, you're not looking at some sort of veteran here. So, I might be picking on him a little bit, but the reason why I am is because of the year that he had last year. Yes. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was something to the extent of 41 points in 53 games, uh, right around there. Yep. And we're talking about Marty Natchez 
out in uh, Carolina. Uh, so, I mean, big boy, 6'2", 189 pounds. Like I said, 23 years old. He's playing 16 and a half minutes with a plus four. So, in a lot of ways, when you're looking at this, you could probably say, gee, Mike, uh, what more do you want from the kid? But I think it comes down to what people invested in him at the beginning of the year, and you're just not reaping that investment in any way, shape, or form. So... Although I'm probably picking on a guy a little much, I will say that with what you gave us last year, Mr. Nages, yeah. we are definitely expecting we're definitely expecting a little bit more out of you. Now, I think we can kind of, you know, look at this and kind of look at his age and probably attribute it to that a little bit. But what I will say is I do believe that the emergence of Seth Jarvis on this uh-huh. club and also this also the signing of Kotkaniemi, if for nothing else, taking playing time away from him, um, has definitely had an effect on his okay. game this year. Now, is is Kotkaniemi there next year? We don't know. We'll see what happens. I certainly do believe that Jarvis is, in, is uh, entrenching himself into that lineup with his play. I mean, this is a guy that likes to throw his weight around too and can put the yeah. puck in the net. So they like what he's doing down there. Uh, you know... It isn't over for Natchez in any way, shape, or form. I think what, it, what this beast came down to more or less for me was what one invested in him at the beginning of the year and how you're probably not getting what you invested in. Yeah. So that's kind of what it comes down to with Natchez. It's still a guy that you kind of want to look look to here moving over to the next couple of years. But, I mean, someone to keep an eye on just to see if maybe this does affect uh, his growth moving forward. I think it's safe to say that in the season like this for him, Things just got a little disappointing. And at this stage in the year, it's obvious this is a disappointing year for him. No reason to give up. No reason to say, you know, throw in the towel. The guy's only 23. It's completely fine. It's just, it was a little disappointing because there was higher, I don't know if I want to use the word expectation, but somewhere between expectation and hope, this is definitely below wherever, whichever word you want to live with. Uh, This is definitely below that. Well, I mean, the the positives about this are, one, he's still young. He's got lots of time to continue to develop. Two, he's the one who put himself in this position. And uh, again, putting a positive spin on it, hey, you're the one who provided 41 points in 53 games. You've shown us that you can do it. So we're expecting that now. And you know what? The nice thing about where he's at, in particular with that team, and we've talked about it a lot on this program this week, Marty, kind of a third line and how that, those things can really turn a series for you. If this guy settles in on like a third line for Carolina, excuse me, for Carolina uh, marching towards yep. the playoffs and getting and, and taking a deep run. Hey, mm. listen, this is a guy who's prov- uh, provided offense yep. for you. And if, you know, I, I and, and I haven't haven't looked at their roster, but I'm just kind of going off at the top of my head here. Maybe something like a Kotkin Yemi and him end up on a third line with, I don't know, I think I think Derek Steppen's out there. Maybe he ends up on a third line with them as a nice veteran presence. And they can give you a yep. couple of goals here and there throughout a series. That that Those are the types of things that can turn around a series for you in the playoffs. So the, the year certainly is no. a loss for this guy. Has he produced the way we've no. wanted? No. But there's a lot of the chunk of the season left. And in particular, the playoffs, this is where... 
that type of a guy can really solidify a name for himself, kind of really give them some production in the playoffs. I I think he's in a perfect spot, and he can definitely salvage his year. Uh, Maybe not so much in points per game, if you will, but he's got a lot of runway here to really uh, show the Canes what he's already shown Points per game is really just a a fantasy side of things. I think he still has tremendous value for this Carolina team that is obviously going to go very deep. Mm Um, and it's just nice to know that you've got that option, like you said, in the third line that you can just throw that out there and there's a solid chance that it could turn around and I didn't give a moment. So there's nothing bad about that situation at all for either him or the team. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's no, it'll be interesting. It's a, to I was going to say, it's a funny, it's oh, a funny ahead, spin on a, it's funny, positive spin on a, on a beast because usually, I mean, with the way I ended things with the uh, Radulov, we're ending things on a much nicer note with with Mr. Martin over here. Well, and that's a thing too, right? Like I almost I almost stopped myself from putting him in there, but I mean, it's I do have him in one of my other pools, and I, again, I, that's kind of where the genesis of it came from, right? Is you were ex- I was expecting yeah. more out of him, and and like I mean, it's it was so hard because when I really started looking into his numbers, right, twenty six points in forty five games, dude, I would die for four, 26 points in 45 <laughs> games in the NHL. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I'm kind of picking on a guy who's actually doing quite well. He's got a plus four and I'm kind of sitting there. But I, again, when it comes to fantasy, yeah. right? And the and the fantasy manager yeah. part of things, uh, that's kind of where I took it there. But I mean, listen, the, 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 he's in, he himself is in a, a great spot, just like that kind of third line with Florida. You know, they're not really expected to do anything. If they get, you know, these are two teams that will get into the playoffs and these are the types of players that you know win series and 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 change the tide or or you know give you something that maybe your t- first two lines are being snuffed out that night and here comes your third line and this is a guy that on some teams in the NHL could easily be uh, a second liner sure. and potentially on some others a first yeah, line sure. player so Again, again, all these teams that we've talked about over the course of this year, your Carolinas, your your your, your uh, Floridas, um, you know, you're looking at Las Vegas or you're looking at Colorado, such deep teams. I mean, they they're 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 good teams for a reason, and a lot of the times it's because they have yeah. depth throughout that lineup and they can do damage with yeah. that depth. It's not it's it's not just their top players, but they can come at you in a number of different ways. So it uh, it will be interesting to see as usual how this all plays out over the coming weeks man yeah <clears throat> well i think that's episode 16 i think that one's i, I think, think that's it is 16 a2 eh, that's not bad thanks to everyone out there for listening if you're interested in reaching out to us you can email us at two guys a league and some guests at gmail.com you can find our latest episodes at anchor.fm slash tugalag or you can follow us on twitter where you can find all of our info our handle is at tugalag that's the number two followed by g-a-l-a-g don't forget to like follow and share thanks for listening and until next time we are